¿Qué onda, mi gente? It is your boy Luis Martinez, a.k.a. Big Chief Burrito. And this episode of Mi Gente Show features filmmaker, author, director, multi-hyphenate, Natalie Rodriguez from Extraordinary Pictures. She has a young adult book series. She has animated films, um, indie films out. She's doing a book tour uh, for some of her stuff. She's got Young Dario, um, a web series going right now. She is doing it big time. And she stopped by to hang out for the entire show with me and Sophia. We do an interview with her at the beginning. And then she sticks around for tabs. She sticks around for an anonymous way. Um, so she's here for the full show. And uh, we had a lot of fun chatting with her about horror movies, about her life and her passions and where she started writing, directing, everything. So it's a cool, informative show. Um, Sophia and her have a cool bond because they went to the same school together. And, you know, I throw in some jokes as I am prone to do. So. Thank you, everybody that's listened. The Mi Gente Show pod is doing really great numbers. I appreciate everybody that's listening, that's rated us, that's followed us across all the platforms, whether you listen on Spotify, iTunes, Pandora, Samsung, the Podbean app. Much love to Podbean for featuring us and helping us out. Um, so we're going to try to keep doing these every week. And uh, thank you for everybody that's listened. Enjoy the pod. What? Is up, everybody? It is your boy Luis Martinez, aka Big Chief Burrito, live with you on a Thursday. <laughs> Mi gente show at Sofia Carrillo. Yes. I always call you at, I don't know why. Because <laughs> that's my legal name, at Sofia Carrillo underscore. At Sofia Car, at Sofia Car. Car, así cierto, yes. <laughs> I did the old Shelly Rowe thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shelly Rowe, queen Ro of the voice message. Yep, always, always. <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks for everybody that joined us. Uh, make sure you hit the like or uh, comment. Uh, let us know you're here. Um, Feliz um, October spooky time. Yes. Uh, got the new Dia de los Muertos motif there. I the am back. loving it. It looks amazing. And we got the uh, Mi Gente Show logo with me as the priest and you as the malevolent right. daughter. <laughs> why why can't it be backwards huh huh i mean because i mean just size wise the same That's reason you're you're mike in the in the uh in the other picture and i'm because i'm the big the big guy um so uh we're gonna skip personal news and anything else because uh, we have guests and we uh, we're, we're, we're talking um it is the spooky season it is halloween but we and we have been talking to a lot of uh, authors as well uh so mm -hmm. this is somebody that i reached out to that i've been connected to for a while but you know how you connect people that are like uh colleagues or in the industry but don't necessarily get to know them but i had seen some stuff about uh promotion for a book tour she was doing some films and animated projects so she's a director uh author um and I watched a little bit of some of her films today, and it's uh, very interesting stuff. She's got a couple of books coming out, um, so she's one of them multi-hyphenates. Ooh, yeah, jack of so, all trades. So we're gonna start off uh, the show today with our uh, Latinx uh, spotlight by welcoming on uh, author director Natalie Rodriguez. Hey, hi Hello. everyone. Hey, good evening. I'm going to place you over here in my thing so I can look more towards the camera, Natalie. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> I know, I do that too. I'm like always debating, look in the camera or look at the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a weird setup here, so. Uh, yeah, but th yeah. thank you for thank you for stopping by. Yeah, of course. Thank you for reaching out. Um, 
and we were chit-chatting about that before mm-hmm. the show. I really appreciate it and big fan of podcast. Um, I was telling Sophia earlier, I probably listen to all day pretty much. Yeah. Um, I feel like I listen to podcasts and audiobooks more than music these days. Um, really? I just find them very soothing and I think nowadays we can all say something's relatable, kind of find it therapeutic and it's always good to have on, you know, while you're doing work. Yeah. Are you the type to listen to podcasts to get your mind off of stuff as in like brainless entertainment or more like educational? Uh, for me lately, I'll say probably more educational. I, I noticed that because I think it's something I'm, so I, I'll say I'm a big, um, I'm a big person on therapy, you know, counseling helps for you definitely go. If it doesn't, that's okay too. Um, and it's something I've been talking about in counseling these past few weeks. I'm like, yeah, I've been, I just gravitate towards it's either horror films or horror content, true crime, or be like memoirs, like more of like a sit down interview, or of course, someone's, you know, writing about their life in a memoir itself. I think it's just more, I like hearing about how someone got their star in the entertainment industry, whether in front of the camera behind. And a lot of times, I mean, I like that nowadays, you know, people are more open to talking about those hardships or they talk about the rejections they get. So I think for me, it's just that reminder, as cliche as it is to say, it's just that reminder that no, everyone goes through, you know, they're going to get their nose or they still get told no, even if they have quote unquote made it, you know, into the industry, they're still getting passed on for projects or for even funding for their own material. So I would say definitely probably the educational, I think it's just good for me. And I'm sure for others who can relate, it's just, you know, interesting to hear that side of the story to things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. I totally agree. How about you, Sophia? What are you listening to these days? Um, I don't know. I find myself kind of like a little bit of both. There's some mm-hmm. like just definitely brainless, dumb entertainment, but yeah. and it depends what time of the day as well. I've noticed that in the morning, I just want noise. I just want noise. That's it. Um, but more towards the end, I, I don't know why I get a little more analytical. That's when I usually mm-hmm. listen to more politics stuff or more yeah. yeah like autobiographies or interviews you know kind of that delve deeper and stuff like that but it's yeah. a mixture what about you Lou? uh i very rarely listen to podcasts um <laughs> i don't know if it's because you're um, like i have two <laughs> i have yeah i have two and i'm trying to start a third one um nice. and and usually i have movies on in the background or tv shows on in the background and uh there's a small part of it where I don't want to copy people because I already know that right. my my style is a mix of all the shows that I grew up listening to, mm-hmm. which is like New York Sports Talk Radio, Howard Stern, and like uh, a bunch of and then like other stuff, you know, and then some of the streamers that I've watched. And that's kind of like the combination of, of, of what I've become, plus my own style. Mm-hmm. So I don't really want to I don't really want to listen to another podcast and be like, oh, they're doing something similar. or I don't want to do that. Yeah. And, and then I also don't like being told how to I, there's a lot of movie content out there. Mm-hmm. where like these younger cats are li- are reviewing movies from like the 90s and stuff like that and sometimes i don't that's the same reason i didn't like film school is because i don't like people telling me how i should feel about the piece of art <laughs> right that makes, that makes sense the, the biggest thing i hated about film school was like this is what you have to understand about the godfather <laughs> yeah and then and then when he dies his arms are in this direction so it's a <laughs> jesus thing and then i'm just like what well, I, I don't want to you know i so, feel you there uh, that was kind of with me with the film school. It's it was either that, um, like, oh, you see how here the shots diagonal because that's a that's a motif and a sign, and I'd be like, oh, I think they probably just filmed it like that because it looked good, and you know, <laughs> if they're on a time crunch, that's all they had. 
Or it was the other thing. Like I unfortunately had that experience where I had a lot of jaded professors. Like they would take you through all this work, whether it was writing a full length screenplay or making a short film, you know, and editing it and doing coloring and sound design. And then at the end, they'll be like, oh, no one's ever going to like, this won't make it. Like if you submit this to FEST, it's not going to make it. Not to me directly, but it was like to the class. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel if it was to me, me directly, I'd probably cry <laughs> and stop pursuing. But <laughs> I, I feel that was like what I was getting. A lot of the jaded professors, unfortunately. Oh, no. Um, and you went to Fullerton, right? I did. I went to Fullerton. What? Me too. Um, What's that? Oh, you did? Oh, okay. Yeah, I did. Well, you're Italian, did you graduate? Yeah. I was 2014. almost forgot. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> 2014. Oh, nice. I was 2018. Okay, cool. Oh, nice. Okay, that's very cool. Small world. Okay, I've been meeting a lot of Fullerton people, um, which is nice because I feel a lot of people don't know what that was, like, especially coming Mm -hmm. out to Los Angeles. Like, wait, what is that? I'm like, Orange County. I'll just leave it. Yeah, exactly. It's not that far. It's like an hour away. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'm like, it really isn't that far. (laughs) It's such a good campus, though. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I'm from San Diego, and I moved up there to college, and then I moved back. Yeah. Okay. What What about yourself? Are you from Orange County, or... What's your job? No. So I grew up in Inland Empire, a uh, suburban oh. neighborhood. And when I was in uh, late teens, even to mid 20s, I was in Glendora and mm-hmm. I moved twice in Glendora. I lived, you know, at home, uh, went to school, Kelsey Fullerton. I'm still living at home. So I did that commute from Glendora. Um, and in Glendora, I'm like, it's five. San Gabriel Valley, like very close mm-hmm. neighboring cities. Um, I think of like mm-hmm. West Covina. And maybe from like Fullerton, Cal State, it's probably like 45 minutes, an hour. Yeah. So it's not too bad. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. You guys done reminiscing about college? Yeah. 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 I was <laughs> like, Lou, would you like to, would you like to partake? Okay. Of? We got it. You guys yeah. are smart. Welcome Thank in. you. No, no. I was just going to uh, say, you know, uh, the film school thing was uh, mm-hmm. my experience was that I didn't like being told what what to think about something. And then also at the time I was going to film school, um, we were still editing on like reel to reel and like avid machines and stuff yeah. like that. This was like a long ass time ago in a time called the late nineties. And mm-hmm. I was reading all these trade articles about how you were gonna be able to edit nonlinear mm-hmm. editing was coming. So I was like, I'm learning how to do surgery with sticks and stones. So I, I figured at that point I'm just like, I'm out of here. But right. um jumping into jumping into your life now, uh, Natalie. Um director you went to film school you're an mm-hmm. author a storyteller you're getting you're doing animation projects yeah. um which one of those um which one of those talents or which one of those passions surfaced the first for you what was the kind of what was the first one were you were mm-hmm. you first telling jokes were you telling stories in school were you writing stories well how did that start for you yeah definitely i actually started off with acting um when i was a kid uh-huh. just begging my parents you know oh, please let's move to hollywood because uh, that was kind of I grew up, you know, a good 45 minutes, hour, two hour drive to Hollywood. So to me, it was like, if you're in Hollywood, you're closer to like making as an actress. Mm-hmm. And I did do actually a few plays. Um, I did a summer camp. That was my first like acting experience. And my mom put me in a summer camp and the whole summer, you know, you audition and you practice, practice. And the last day of class is putting on a play for family and friends. So that was pretty fun. And I then got into writing. So the writing came in not too long after that. I was in the fifth grade. I went to a school in Diamond Bar, Diamond Bar, it's um, other, I guess, San Gabriel Valley city. And at Diamond Bar, we were required to, the entire school actually, so it was grades, 
um, kindergarten, I think into fifth grade, we had to write a short story and actually make that short story look like a book. So whether that was getting, you know, styrofoam and creating like the book cover and then just printing out pages, it was a mandatory project. And we actually couldn't graduate to the next grade if we didn't complete that or if we refused to do it. And that, at that time, you know, I hated reading. I hated writing. I didn't care for it. I was more focused still on the acting. I was like, I just want to go to like acting classes and I don't want to be here. Like, I don't need this stuff for like acting. That was kind of like my mindset. But I want to say, you know, I think that scared me. I was, you know, if I heard that this is a mandatory project, it would terrify me. So Mm -hmm. I felt like the good student in me was like, oh no, I got to just suck it up and just bite my tongue and just do this project. And once I did that, that was kind of like, kind of went from there. It was came home every day for like maybe the next three months, you know, when I was in fifth grade, worked on the story. Back then we had like a big desktop and that was when we had AOL, you know, mm-hmm. internet dial up. So oh, yeah. I had to use that computer, you know, for X amount of time. I would pull up the web, you know, try to look up other stories or like how to write a story, short story. <laughs> and I did that, yeah, for about three months. And then my mom, she saw me like writing in. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, it's for a school project. I had to make a book and she actually helped me. Um, she, you know, I had to give a shout out to mom. She helped me make the cover and um, suggested like, oh, you should put this in your about author page. So it's an elementary school project, but yeah, they made us go full out with that. We had to have, oh. you know, dedication about the author and the last day. Did you take like, did, a, did you take an author, an author's picture for the, for the cover? <laughs> like... <laughs> I wish I did. Like, it was oh, just my sorry. regular school project or my school yearbook. Um, I got to find that because I have it. Looking out I'm to glad the I saved it. I was going to yeah. say, do you remember what the story was about? <laughs> yes, I do. So that's yeah. actually, that short story turned out to be my first young adult novel. Um, short mm-hmm. story, I, you know, this was the start of, you know, the obsession of coming back to it, making it longer over the next few years. Um, so the short story, this version, it was about like four childhood best friends. Uh one's deceased father comes back to life um so I was even at a young age I was still very much into like the darker like (laughs) friendship stories um by then I already watched films I always think of Stand By Me um with the four friends and that childhood and even though it's a story about friendship there was still a lot of like heavy subjects um that the characters are dealing with um but by then I was also you know at that age I was more interested in watching I don't say adult theme films but films that weren't like you know, on Nickelodeon or Disney, I was watching like, or I think by then I'd like watched American Beauty because my mom was watching it or films like Scream. So I Fifth definitely, grade? Think, yeah, <laughs> I think definitely well, that, that had an impact on like the writing because it was like, oh, like, you know, like Scream was one of my favorite movies growing up. It's like, oh, okay, like this is how, you know, this character reacts in this situation. So mm-hmm. I know I'm like, I was watching like, yeah, definitely. Um, more like PG-13, the rated R. Yeah, I was going to say, like, were yeah. you a big Goosebumps fan? But you were already watching Scream and, yeah, no, yeah. you were advanced. <laughs> I did like Goosebumps, you know, and I'm actually stoked. They just had the, um, what is it, the revamped version come out on Netflix. So I was still watching, you know, things like Goosebumps or even like Halloween Town. That was a, yeah. a big movie back when I was a kid on Disney Channel. So Oh, yeah. They still celebrate every year at that. Um, they do. Yeah. I want to go so badly. I know. I'm like, I, I know. I think it's like they get booked out. So I'm like, I got to stay on top of that. Too. Yeah. Someday. <laughs> um, yeah. But definitely, um, I think it's just going back and forth with those, those kind of films, you know, from your Disney Channel, Halloween Town to something like Scream or even like Goosebumps. Mm-hmm. I just think, you know, as a kid I was just curious I mean I always wanted to be an actor so of course I was watching films or tv 
especially if I saw like a child actor, I always thought as a kid, you know, back then, oh, that's so cool. Like, see, it is possible. Like I would tell my mom, see, that is possible. Like that kid can do it. Like I can too. Um, but I'll be honest. So my mom, even to this day, she's one of those people that's like, oh, you don't want to become a doctor or a nurse still? And I'm like, no, <laughs> not really my cup of tea. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, I think kind of go back to that short story that was the start of it um, that ended up turning out to be my first young adult novel. And that was, you know, just always coming back to it year after year um, after moving on from the fifth grade where that project was due, that short story. I just kept thinking about that short story. I was like, you know, those characters are sitting with me. Like I feel like they like go visit them and I got to like look at it. And it was literally just bugging me. Even at a young age, I feel like I still was able to, I was still like so aware, like, all right, there's a reason why, like, I'm still thinking about the short story. I need to does, like, figure out why. Does everything you've written since then take place in the same uh, cinematic or book universe in your mind? Or do you, or do you, uh, um, I would like, say probably different, different universe. Okay. I just haven't thought because, about that. It's interesting though. No, because, you know, we like to say that, you know, all our movies take place in the, like the 2 a.m. burrito extended universe. But yeah. then, but, I, but then I was like, it, it just seems like it, that, that first story mm-hmm. and that first experience of creating something from nothing really yeah. stuck with you. And if you're saying that's what your mm-hmm. first young adult, no, then I'm, then I'm, then I'm thinking that, 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 that universe you created is probably like very vivid to you and maybe, or, or maybe better question, have you written other stories besides that are, that are set in that same universe? Hmm, that's actually interesting. I think looking at it, I would say the books for sure, they, there's a possibility they can be in the same universe. I definitely think those characters, um, they could, even though the elephant book, that's what the first young adult novel series is. They're 14 year old teenagers. And then my recent book, The Extraordinary Ordinary, they're 20, 21 year old young adults. I still think they can be friends. I think just because of a lot of their history and their backstories, there's a lot that they can relate to. And I think the 14-year-olds from Elephant, they also have to, they go through a lot of, you know, things that are happening in the house. You know, the elephant in the room, the skeletons in the closet, you know, things they're dealing with that. I think have to fortunately and unfortunately um, encourage them to grow up or just be overall like aware of, you know, their surroundings and the people that are in their lives. Mm -hmm. So I think that's possible. Um, I think you're the first person to actually ask them that. So that's actually a good question because... I never thought about that, like as a whole, you know, in its entirety. Every time somebody says that's a good question, Lou, I, I need to order a hat one size <laughs> yeah, bigger. Yeah, I need to get a question. You're making a crowd too big now. Oh no! <laughs> Every time, and then, I, and then the next day I get another tattoo. So that's kind of the process. That's it's right like on, my yeah. it's like it's like my drug. No, I'm serious. Nice. Um, <laughs> no, so you start off, you 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 school project leads you yeah. to realize you're good or that you have an affinity to 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 create something like that and then you move forward with that and when do you make the decision to to go into film school versus yeah. something else and and did you feel mm-hmm. that film school was maybe like the medium where you could learn something but you could also tell stories is how, how did you transition from that first story to to when you started there yeah definitely so i actually <laughs> i always hated school um as young as i can remember i was always begging my parents to homeschool me and I think a lot of that came from, because even though I was, after that short story I wrote, I was still wanting to do acting. And my mom and, you know, dad, they both looked into, oh, well, because you're a minor, we have to be on set with you. So there was a lot of, like, stress about that. Like, well, how are you going to go to school? You need to go to school. So in the meantime, I, you know, was still going to public schooling. I always was still bugging my parents every few months. Can I be homeschooled? Like, <laughs> I don't want to go to school. And once I got high school, 
I was terrified of the the word college. Like, I'll be honest, I never wanted to go to college. Um, it was something I just didn't feel. I always felt strongly like I just feel I'm going to waste my time there. I feel like maybe if I take like strictly writing classes or like a crash course program, I was more focused on that. Um, but it was a deal with my mom. So when I was a junior, I think this is still a requirement for most high schools. Um, starting my junior year, we all individualist students had to meet with our guidance counselor and literal guidance counselor had to sit down student and the parent that came with them. In this instance, it was my mom and I. And they asked, what does he want to do? Here's the schools you should apply to. Like, here are the schools, um, mainly within the region. So it'd be like, you know, Diamond Bar, Fullerton was a, one of the closer colleges. My guidance counselor was like, you should apply there. And I told her flat out, you know, it was the first time I asked, you know, got asked, you know, by my guidance counselor, really by anyone, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? And I said, I want to tell stories. And I also love movies. I see myself directing one day. I see myself in a production company. And so my guidance counselor was like, okay, so film school. Got it. Um, and I think she asked my mom too, my guidance counselor, like, do you, would you be okay if Natalie goes to like something like LA film school? That was like a big thing back in the day. You know, whoever went to LA film school, it's like the top pre prestige school. And it was like, you know, I think to be honest, you know, it was also like, oh, you can afford it, you know, going to something like that. It was double the price of something like Fullerton or the Cal States. Yeah. Um, so that was that transition. It was after that meeting with my guidance counselor. I, you know, my mom told me, you know, you can't live at home and not go to school. She's like, you know, if you go to college, you can write and do your stuff on the side, but just please go to college. So that was, I guess, the deal with my mom. It was if you're not going to go to school, college, then you got to work full time. And then you figure it out, you know, pay your bills. And for some reason that scared me. I was like, oh, if I get the nine to five, I won't have time to like write and do what I want to do. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, yeah, I'll go to college. I don't want to do this, but I'll go. <laughs> I'll take the classes. <laughs> um, but I don't regret that decision. I think because college wasn't like completely terrible for me. I will say, you know, there's like one or two professors, you know, I still keep in touch with. One even came to like my first big like um, film festival premiere a few years ago. So there are like, you know, positives from like my going to college, you know, film school experience. But I'll be honest, you know, it wasn't, it was never like on my, you know, five-year, 10-year plan going to school, college. It was just like that word scared me um, mm. for years. And I think, you know, my mom, she was like, no, you got to go. You know, I, my parents didn't go to college. My mom, even to this day, she'll say she regrets she never finished school. So that was like her wish was like, no, please go do this for me. Like, and then pursue your film stuff. Like, that was just, like, her wish for me was to take that advice. So it was a little bit of a living vicariously through you. And Yeah. Do you, were they proud um, about your decision to do radio and television and film? Or were they kind of, like, um, not having it at first? I don't know. My mom to stay, because we haven't talked today. Like, I talked today, and she still, she doesn't understand the project stuff. Like, she'll be like, you still write? Like, what do you, how do you write after work? And what do you mean you still do that? Like she's you're like, it she's is the doing, work. Yeah. I'm like, you make time for it. You love it. You know, you'll, you lose the hour of sleep or so. Um, but yeah, the, you know, to answer your question, my mom, she wasn't, not that she wasn't happy, but she would still like kind of bring up here and there. Oh, so-and-so is like going to nursing school or you don't want to become a doctor or nurse. Like she would casually bring it up. And I just like, no mom, I'm not going to do that. Like, mm -hmm. yes, I know it pays good money, but it's just, I would be miserable if I pursued that route. So it kind of, it wasn't like she never pressured me. She never said you have to stop pursuing radio, TV, film, and you have to go to like become a nurse. I think it was, she'd be ecstatic if I made that decision, but I think she knew deep down inside, like, all right, 
note her dreams still the same from when she was a kid. And uh, she even said that recently in a conversation with family friends it was Natalie always said she wanted to do entertainment, pursued television film. And she's like, yeah, in college, when she started saying that, she's like, I couldn't stop her. So yeah. um, I respect that she respected my decision. I think she realized that even graduation. I, I mean, I need to see how happy she was um, that graduated wow. and she was stoked. And she, I think that kind of like put her worries aside, you know, with I didn't pursue the health industry. Yeah. yeah. I mean, unless you were going to do like medical films, that would be like the happy medium. <laughs> Oh, I know. I know. Probably, yeah, should be happy. Removing the gallbladder, one hundred and one. Oh no! Well, I, no. I think uh, <laughs> no for me. It's like I like seeing it on film and TV. That's cool, but in real life, I'm like I'd probably be that person that passed out. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't even look when they the draw blood. I can't yeah. either. Oh no! I I sometimes I'll get squeamish when it's like my own, and people are like. You have tattoos. You had needles on you before it's from tattoos. Different. What do you mean? It's different. <laughs> it is. It is different. And I'm like, no, it's not the same. The tattoo, because at least I'm more focused on, because I see the tattoo as like a, a portrait. It's more like, oh, no, you're mm-hmm. going to see that painting afterwards. So you're focused on that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys, we are live on a Thursday with author, director, Natalie Rodriguez, talking about her uh, ongoing projects and about, uh, you know, a little bit of her background and her story, how does she be, how she became an author. Uh, make sure that you are following her. You can go to uh, NatalieCRodriguez.com and find her author page and information. There you go. Okay, blue hair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can go on Amazon and look for Natalie Rodriguez and follow her. I see you that there all right cool, yeah cool. boom Thank and you. uh find her books oh look pretty decent prices here three bucks nine bucks look at you yeah oh, not bad. a steal they, not bad. they keep changing <laughs> they changed a steal a steal um you're Yay. and then and then you got uh the young dario animated series I that do. Yes, that you're here um so young adult um uh and uh, some of your films that i saw were a little bit more Mm-hmm. On the serious, dramatic side, yeah. kind of a little ex- existentialist, a little, a little, you know, film noirish. I don't know. They, I, they, they, they were very, they were yeah. definitely moody and uh, yeah. you know about existence and 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 frustration and stuff like that. Um, so they, did you? Ju- and then, but you're telling me you love horror movies. So did you ever? Did you ever? <laughs> are you just like a multi-genre as well, or or, or how do you how do you? Because I also yeah. jump around from genre to genre, but it seems That's like good, usually yeah. they usually when they tell you what the the, the path of least resistance mm-hmm. is to being recognized is to find mm-hmm. a genre that that's a niche for you and go for right. there, right? For for us, that might be comedy. Right. Um, I agree. So, yeah. so 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 what at what point did all those sort of genres divide, and 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 do you have a favorite? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I'm actually glad brought that up because I was thinking about that. Um, I was sending out some emails, and I'm like. Oh yeah, it's interesting. Like the next project, I'm be doing it another animation, and my I, my friends and colleagues, because they'll point out, they'll be like, "I'm surprised you haven't. You just don't make horror films because like you have the tattoos." And my partner, we have like you know a bunch of movie posters that are strictly like thriller or horror around the house. So for me, I always just kind of happen to write drama. I think a lot of that was throughout high school, throughout college. I mean, I'll be honest, like I was you know, struggle a lot with like um, anxiety, my own, you know, self-esteem. I was insecure, you know, throughout my earlier twenties. And to be honest, a lot of that, I think it was just reflecting in the work. I think I was doing that um, subconsciously. And then it took me not until within the past 
you know, year or so to realize that like, oh, that's how I was kind of coping with my own like self-esteem or just worries I had was through that storytelling. But I will say that shift, I mean, that shift uh, maybe, gosh, maybe like five years ago, I had wrote a comedy short because I always wanted to write, it's called The D. It means um, The D for um, the douchebag or it can mean something else. <laughs> um, kind of always up to like interpretation. <laughs> and The D, it's a, I did a short film I did with um, three, you know, um, buddies of mine. I was originally five years ago trying to find, to be honest, actually at the time, a director friend of mine, I was reaching out to them. Hey, I wrote the short mind directing it it's not my expertise I actually said that like you know it's comedy I've never done comedy um I'll help you produce it but I had like three or four directors turn it down and I thought because it was terrible and they hated it but actually it was two out of the four said no I think you should direct it and I thought that was stupid I was like no you guys are dumb like I don't do comedy but put the script down for about a year came back later and was like you know what screw it let's just do it if, if anyone's gonna script this film that's kind of my mentality if anyone's gonna script this comedy It'll be me. Um, let me try if it doesn't do well. I mean, all right, I'll just, you know, forget about it. But it ended up being one of the, it was super fun to shoot, but it was also one of the hardest because that's where I learned comedy with directing from drama. Comedy feels very, it feels like choreograph. You know, it's all about the timing. It's all about, it was, you know, that person's movement too over the top. Was that line delivery too over the top? Am I trying to go for camping or am I trying to go for, you know, you know kind of more of a dry humor? And that actually, the D that did, I want to say it did well with, you know, friends and colleagues. And we screened at a film festival, maybe like a few months later, and we got a good, you know, good little reception. And I think that kind of, you know, I was glad I saw that. Um, I think I need to see that because I was still always like, for me, you know, we're like our own worst critic um, with the D, you know, it was super low budget. I look at it now and I'm like, oh, cringe. It looks so super low budget. You know, I, and I edited it too. So you kind of know the tricks you had to pull. Like, oh, well, we had extras in the scene before and we shot the scene last. So there wasn't as many extras. And I think, you know, having that first in-person screener for the D, that was, you know, kind of that, I guess that epiphany, like, okay, like it is possible to like go back and forth. Like I can do drama, I can do comedy. Um, let me continue down that path. And that was kind of, I think just kind of went from there. It was the next project. If, you know, doing table reads with friends or colleagues, if it came off, you know, there's a line someone said and it came off more comedic. I was like, okay, like, I'll keep that in mind. Like, all right. So maybe that's going to be more of a comedic scene versus more of a serious tone. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of, um, I'm a firm believer that I think, you know, each creator can go back and forth with different genres. And I personally would love to do that. You know, I don't want to limit myself when it comes to what genre, you know, to pursue. Well, as you become uh, flooded with opportunities for directing and you're like, I don't have time for a comedy right now. You can just let me know. I'll, I'll be there. I'll, Hand them over. I, I, I got you. I got you. Yeah. Or I'll, I'll do B-Unit anytime you need me to. B-Unit. Uh, um, okay, excellent. So let's talk a little bit about animation then. What did, how, did, how, does, how do you have to prep for something like that, right? Like how do you mm -hmm. transition from storyboarding for live action or working with mm -hmm. the locations that you have available to you like an indie filmmaker has yeah. to to having free reign to create a you know a, a, a virtual universe yeah oh yeah ah, completely different <laughs> for sure um so my first animation i did last year it's called the young dario it's actually um making its debut on screen next month at the studio city international film festival i don't know which date but i'll definitely 
uh, keep an eye out for sure. But that was my first animated series or project in general. So last year, honestly, I was just like going with the flow. Me and um, one of the other producers on the project, we had worked with like animated bits in film. Um, He is actually my producing partner from a feature we did the year before called Howard Original. We had a little cartoon opening title sequence, but that was it. Um, So it was still very like, you know, we were still majority were working with like crew and, you know, editors and sound designers, colorists. But for the animated series, we were learning as we went, to be honest. Um, a lot of it was, hey, let's make this an animated series because we don't, be honest, it was like, hey, we don't have money for like COVID officers. That was still a thing back then. Yeah. So we visited the animation ideas like, well, maybe if we can do animated, you know, we can work from home. If we have the opportunity, we can go, you know, record on site, you know, for the narration, the dialogue. Um, but even then we were still like, oh, maybe we might have to like mail a mic to the actor themselves. So that was the difference. It was a lot more freedom, you know, working virtual. Um, definitely, you know, working virtual may- did make me miss set a lot. You know, there were times I'm like, oh, this would be cool if it was like, I was able to sit with the animator or be more, we had more of a budget where you could be, you know, in a bigger recording booth or recording studio and you know, you're able to sit there and actually watch, you know, the process happening versus like, here's the next cut, or here are my notes, or here's the next cut to that, and here are my notes again. So definitely it's, I'll say the virtual world now, it was interesting. Um, Definitely a lot, I don't want to say easier, because I feel we saw our hardships with the young Dario, especially coming from low budget. But I'll say easier in a sense of, you know, everyone's kind of their own schedules. It's just making sure like everyone's staying in touch, like, you know, through emails and a lot of it too. We had a crowdfunding campaign going as well. So um, we learned heavily with like, no, you got to promote that. You got to like go bug your peers, you know, family and friends like, hey, you know, to donate or hey, if you can't donate, just make sure to share this campaign page. So that definitely was uh, both scary, but I did learn a lot, which was for me, I always try to reflect on that, you know, something scary. It's like, well, you know, I did learn, you know, with the animation, it was you know, finding that tone and, you know, I actually got to, you know, pitch to agents and managers with um, ultimately got Julio Macias from on my block. And that was the first time I worked hands on with like an agent um, and manager. So that was like completely new for me. Um, but again, you know, we, me and my producer probably put on our brave faces. We're like, all right, well, we're just going to like figure it out as we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we were just so, you know, we were stoked and we were just like, I mean, for me, that's our mindset. It's like we, once we start something, we got to finish it. It was like, no matter how bad this project is, we just got to like hit that finish line. You know, that's the goal for this. Yeah. How do you, um, I'm going to let Sophia, if you have any questions, I'll let you go after this. But how do you, how do you feel? Because how do you, because as any filmmaker, I struggle sometimes because Mm -hmm. there's projects that that I've called people out for that we filmed, that we shot together, but just I felt weren't good enough. And I felt if I put them out there, it would make everybody look bad. Like, I don't ever want to take like we our first few films and your first few films that you make usually are horrible. Yep. And, and and it's just a fact, right? Your first three films. That's why people go to film school to make mistakes. Right. So our first three films. Issues. I was everything. I was editor, director, lighting, everything. Yeah. One person crew. Um, but there's still you can still see some artistry in it. And, and right. at the time you make it and everybody's pumped up about it. But as you progress, unless you're improving, 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 you know, some people are like, just put anything out, put everything out. Do you ever yeah. have to um, do be like the governor ratio for yourself and kind of uh, and how do you feel like how do you feel like young filmmakers and storytellers mm-hmm. should approach that? 
I will say, um, I, I'm definitely key on just put it out there. Um, I think if you're honest and just say, hey, this is my first short or this is my first, you know, project we self-funded. I think people will see that and respect it. Um, I, I've kind of learned that even projects where I felt the opposite, where I felt, oh, I feel this is my best work. And then, you know, we still get a hate comment for, you know, whatever it is, right. you know, they hate the lighting, they hate, you know, the color shirt or whatever, you know, a character's wearing. Um, I think because if you put it out there, it's just, I feel it's like a motivator personally. I feel if you see that and then you put out the next one, you'll be like, okay, like I see like how I took those lessons from the, like, for example, the first short and applied it to the second. Uh, I think it's, I think, and I think it's also like an exercise, you know, it's also to, especially if you are one man showing it where you're editing and coloring and doing, you know, the one man show behind the scenes. I think it's just better practice, I think, because it will encourage you to keep going or, you know, I think to, you know, learn how to tune out those comments as someone, and it, it's your first big film and it's, people know that and they're like, oh, you should quit, you suck. It's like, okay, like, you know, look at all the other directors, like they have their share or, you know, they had, I think I always think of Steven Spielberg's Jaws, like they had like all this stuff go wrong on set, but then, you know, it's a cult classic, you know, today, but back then it was like, you know, even someone like Spielberg um, or even George Lucas with Star Wars, they were like being told like, oh, you guys suck, you're not going to make it. So I always try to, I think that's just key. I think those are just releasing it. It's just that motivator. And I think too, to also see how far you've come. I think it's like that short you released whatever, you know, years ago, months ago, you'll see like, oh, wow, like I did really improve or a more self-aware, like, okay, I need to do this for the next one. Um, but I do, I'm also like my own worst critic too. So there are times where I take my own advice, like releasing those shorts or re-promoting them. If it's like an anniversary, especially when Facebook or Instagram shows that, you know, memory feeds. I'll be like, oh God, why am I promoting this? But I hate it. And the minute I do that, I'll still like go ahead and like repost it. Cause I'm like, no, I have to do that. Cause I have to get over like my own like insecurity with that. So it's like always a mind battle. Think with yourself too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it's more of an issue when it's not your first film. Cause I think anybody can understand you like, but if you, yeah. as you go along and then you do something and you're like, it's not right. But then all the actors are like, yeah, why didn't you release that? And I'm like, cause yeah, because it was a good idea, but we, the the shoot day was horrible, and we didn't really get a lot of the shots, and some mm -hmm. of the scenes are incomplete. And I just always tell them that it exists as a proof of concept, and yeah. that it, we we can always remake it for more money. Yeah, <laughs> or I think that's I, a, I feel bad about it. I feel bad though, about yeah. it. I feel bad about it all the time. But it's just like I don't want to put something out there that makes me, you know. And, and sometimes I release scenes and stuff like that, but it's just tough. I that think it's natural, though. I mean, no one wants to put out bad, you know, projects. What? Oh, like, my God. Yeah. This, this is our first movie, the beginning nice. uh, of our first two in Burrito with our borrowed camera. Uh, you okay. know, every in every indie film starts off in, in an apartment, right? I'm all <laughs> full of myself. So a, Luis, a, Luis, a, a Luis Martinez film, two frames side by side. Look at nice. that. Look at those epic cuts from one frame to another frame right next to it. Okay. Anyway, I'm sorry. I like the establishing shots. The and you know, that, that's something they used to say. It's like the film school. They used to say that like, like love, like love for God, like do not open your script or your film with like the alarm clock going off. Yeah. Like, do not do that. <laughs> I had every professor like say that in like all the classes I took back in school. And then of course, even after college. And it was like, oh, okay, yeah, that, that would make sense because I just, it's like the cliche. Who did that? Who did that? <laughs> Who started say, that movie? Nice. Lady, so you started it. Oh. Nice. 
Right. It's but okay. The <laughs> reason, but there's a reason I did this, and and it is because I knew that because that's like mm-hmm. the cliche, you know. The, yeah. You start off with the so I I steered into the curve, and yeah. the way I flipped it around is our character gets up, the alarm clock gets up, but the reason he he sets his alarm clock is so that he can go on the mm-hmm. internet and jerk off, and then oh, go back nice. to sleep. So he he, <laughs> he puts. He is, he's in, he's in love with this hot office. So the right the sequence the sequence is uh, and I won't play it because trigger warning masturbation. But but yeah, the the beginning of this film uh, is is that, and then there's a secondary uh, w- there's a secondary wake up uh, mm-hmm. scene after that. Uh, right on. Uh, so so I did that. that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, Sophia's in that. Uh, anyway. I am, yeah. Jesus, right. no, yeah, no, it's it. a terrible. I mean, it's the film is good. It's just it was my first time ever acting ever. Oh, so I'm, I'm like, sure I hate is, watching it. it. No, stop it. it. Look at her, oh, chunky young Sophia. Nice. Look at all. Where did my cheeks go? Oh, look at young Sophia there. Oh, yeah. wow. nice. So yeah. I'm sure it's yeah. not. But again, I mean, we're like our own worst critics, so it's like no, our, yeah. I feel that same way. Like you know, with my first like film, like oh god, she's got I'm one scene in there, there that's that'll forever be in her in her uh, in her um, in her reel. She's like her, yeah, it's a zoom in shot on you, and uh, she's showing all kinds of emotion. Oh, that's a good shot. Right on. All right. <clears throat> that scene. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Please send me that. I'll definitely watch it. Yeah, tonight. absolutely. Please, yeah. No. <laughs> like, no, please. <laughs> no, please. <laughs> I'll just no, watch no, no. every scene, but Sophia's feel. You can just send me the time codes, like, not here. Exactly. Yeah, well, it's not like she's in. It's not like she's in a bunch of our movies or anything. So, so if you had to pick a lane let's say right, so i always ask people the, the this or that question but you know yeah. let's say you get you get an option okay hulu's calling right Oof. they're like yeah. we need an animated series we're mm-hmm. gonna give you eight episodes mm-hmm. all right 10 minutes but then at the same time your agent calls and they're like they're remaking oh no or like mm-hmm. scream oh, eight shit. is up for production nice and uh Ooh. they'll only pay a scale but uh, but also Barnes and Noble wants you to do like a book tour. Gee, thirty-seven cities. Yeah, that's pretty tough. <laughs> right, so, so, so which way do you go? Oh, I feel like ugh, I feel like my filmmaker peers are gonna kill me because I feel like it's the so well. I would have to scream. say the scream, yeah, because okay, it's okay. Says I was not happy with the last one, so I feel like all right, I would like to help do it some justice like for screaming (laughs) um and also too you know i'm not against like reboots or remakes i appreciate the filmmakers that do tackles that on and try to give their take and then pay like homage to the original Mm -hmm. but i would feel that would be such like a fun but yet challenge experience Mm -hmm. and i also feel you know it's scream like i just you know i grew up with ghostface i'm one of those weirdos you know i knew what ghostface was by the time i was like six seven um so it's like not to age myself maybe not that young maybe like seven or eight but like i just i love it so i would have to be scream um, i love that yes yeah. can you please rank the scream films in order of your favorite wow okay yes all right okay, so for that. me it'd be scream the 96 so the og 
Let me get hate for this. I love Scream 3. That would be the second for me. Um, I love that it's campy. I love that they have, without giving too much away in case someone hasn't seen it, but it's been like, 15 years. <laughs> that, no, no, the college one is the second. Yes. Yeah. College one is the third so one in the LA one? Yeah, the yes. LA one. Yeah. And they have like cameos. Um, I, just, I love it. It's fine. I know people... It's like, very meta. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I know people like rip on it, but I'm like, it's so fun. Like, I just, I love it. So it'd be like Scream, the original, Scream 3 would be my second spot. Then I would say Scream 4. Scream 4 grew on me a little bit. Yes. Um, I hated that when I first saw it, but it's like on Tubi or one of those apps, like all the time mm-hmm. for free. And I always find myself watching like every month, like just even if it's background noise. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I like it. I think it's fun. And I love the characters and I love Kirby who I think it's Hayden Panitcher that plays Fuck her. yeah. By the way, um, did you know that her character, oh, this yeah. is a spoiler, is still. Yes, she's coming okay, back. Cool. Yeah. I think she posted on Instagram, but it was like a rumor for like, I, gosh, since what? Since four came out, so for like 10 years in the making. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I'm glad she's coming back because I thought her character was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after four would be two. And then the latest one. So I wasn't a fan of the latest one. And I, I'm a big Jenna Ortega fan. I think she's like the new final girl. And I, I just, I couldn't get into this last one. I just was disappointed in it for di- different reasons. Yeah. Um, just yeah, I didn't feel like scream. I felt like a could have been a whole without giving too much away, but it could have been like a whole I felt like other serial killer slasher icon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, think was, yeah, it was, I, a, I think it was a little too quick to kill off its sacred goats. Like I think you could that's yeah. true. Yeah, you know they don't I mean? have like, anyone left. Nev Campbell isn't coming back. Yeah. yeah. No, they went all in. I think it's just yeah, Courtney Cox, um, mm-hmm. Gail Weathers. But I'm curious if she's gonna be like she's gonna pass the torch off to Jenna Ortega and I think it's Melissa. Um, from in the heights, um, yeah, I think it's in the okay. heights and Vita. I think she was in Vita too. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious if Nev Campbell, I'm afraid she's just gonna be like a cameo, like even less scenes than she had in the previous scream. Uh, because I'm like, oh no, she's like the only one. I wonder if it's just gonna be like one or two scenes and it's like that's kind of it, for maybe like others. a phone call, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. a phone call, and you're like, oh, there's a quick cutaway. Oh, damn. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, the obvious the obvious thing would be to make her go insane and turn out to be the killer at the end, right? That would be the that would, that would be, be interesting. That would be the I actually. I was for I don't know if we talk about this. I think it was a rumor, but the last one I think there were theories it was Stu. Like Stu was supposed to be like the killer, and like this entire time he was like oh, in a no. rehab or like some type of hospital. And I was so convinced that was going to be the ending and the big twist in the last scream movie so i was all for that maybe that's why i didn't like the last scream because i like i hyped it up for myself and of course that was nowhere close to what the Mm. film was yeah but i feel like they should do that with one of the characters i'm like at this point why not i mean we're already like what six yeah i mean go go for it yeah steer into the curve why don't you yeah exactly could be done i think it can be (laughs) done in a very cool and fun way All right, we've been talking live here with uh, Natalie Rodriguez, author, director, about her ongoing projects. You can find uh, Young Dario. Uh, you can look for her artist page and find all her shows. Uh, she's on Tubi, right? Or yeah, Tubi, um, Freebie, Roku, and Amazon Prime. Cool. Mm-hmm. And your production company is called um, it's Extraordinary Pictures. Extraordinary Pictures yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. And we are talking live about her passions in life, about her ongoing projects and what got her to where she is today. We're going to continue to talk that. Uh, I'm going to play a little clip that our friend Kurt Griwan, who does our intro music and who does music for Two Amberito, made for us. Next Thursday, October 27th, 8 p.m., we're going to be having our Halloween show. 
special spooky. guest, uh, special effects icon, uh, Joe Castro, um, Andrew Hada, a filmmaker, horror filmmaker from uh, San Antonio is going to be here and maybe hopefully uh, some other surprise guest. So tune in next Thursday. He made a little promo video for us. Like this. Fun. He great. said, I, "I literally, I will talk to Kurt and I will say, hey, um, I need something for for this.' And you'll be like, what style? What 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 thing is right. blah, blah blah? And then I'll just be going about my day, and then two hours later, I'll have a file in my inbox. And he's like, oh, and then this right time on. he was like, he's like, are you doing a Halloween show? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, can I write you an intro song like in the style of the Misfits? And I was like, yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> and then he sends me that like an hour later. Cool. So thank you, Kurt. Uh, that's a well, keeper. No, go yeah, that's a keeper. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a definitely it's definitely yeah. He's he goes yeah. above and beyond for us. Yeah, we love Kurt. Right All right. So um talking here with Natalie Rodriguez live. Um, I wanted to since you know, Sophia, did you have any other questions pertaining to Natalie? I think I wanted to know a little more about extraordinary pictures and kind of how you yeah. went about uh, creating that and where you see it and going in the future. Cool. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, so Extraordinary Pictures, I actually started it originally because going into my first feature, The Extraordinary Ordinary, I we were SAG, um, SAG after a low budget, and I was like, oh, we're required to have a company name. So that's the reason why I did create it originally. Um, but then I think once I got it registered, you know, you go through the whole, like, Secretary of State. It sounds less, you know, it's less intimidating than it sounds, but, like, when you register with the state and you have all that, you know, bank account, all that stuff. I then, you know, I think that I started realizing like, okay, like I really have to like establish like, you know, a tone or a theme with this company. And I ended up originally named it first of all, I should say, I named it Extraordinary Pictures because I wanted to name it after the Extraordinary Ordinary because that first feature is always going to hold a special place in my heart. And I was like, I want to pay tribute to it. So I felt, you know, Extraordinary Pictures, you know, that word extraordinary is coming from that title. Mm -hmm. And I think over the past few years, um, after the Extraordinary Ordinary and moved on to doing the next project after I was a dark comedy satire, I, you know, focusing more on, you know, projects that are dealing with, you know, either social themes, something like mental health um, or recovery. You know, those are things we see in the Extraordinary Ordinary, the first feature for the company. And also, you know, projects that, you know, are, we can relate to an audience, um, you know, people that can also watch with their you know, adults with children, you know, with their kids or, you know, siblings and family. Um, that's definitely, you know, I want to say the ongoing theme with extraordinary pictures. You know, you, we have different styles, you know, ones where if someone wants to watch, you know, their independent drama, they can. You know, if they want to watch on their computer or their phone, you know, nowadays it's amazing we can even do that. Or if, you know, someone wants to watch something that's more on the lighter side, you know, they can do that with um, the upcoming Young Dario, which is, you know, about a young boy who is going through, you know, different, you know, life experiences as a child and he's turning to his abuela for or his grandma for 
you know, this life advice and like what to do when it comes to like awkward, embarrassing moments. So that's definitely um, something I want to continue, you know, that path on. Um, you know, I definitely, I love going back and forth with different genres. I think it keeps me sane, to be honest, because I think when I was doing dramas for a long time, you know, it could get a little heavy and dark and you're like, oh gosh, like it'd be nice to kind of do something that's the complete 180. Um, yeah. So it's, I like the back and forth and I'm hoping that can still, you know, that will continue, you know, to be the path of extraordinary pictures, you know, in the years to come. Oh, it's interesting cool. that you, I mean, it's important that you mentioned mental health there. Um, mm -hmm. We had talked the other day uh, virtually where mm -hmm. it's a little bit more commonplace now, but we got to, we had to yeah. get together uh, for my birthday, I think uh, earlier this year. And yeah. it was probably about seven, eight friends. We hadn't probably really hung out together since yeah. COVID. And at just some point during the, during the, like when we were having a couple of beers, everybody was just sort of giving their mental <laughs> Their mental health check-in, you know, yeah. like it was kind like, of beautiful. Like we, were just, we were just going around the table, yeah. and everybody was like, "Yeah, you know, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. This is where I'm at." And 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 it, and like I said, it did feel very cathartic and mm -hmm. something that really, you know, for myself growing up, nothing that would have happened 10, 15 years ago, twenty years yeah. ago. So, um, so do you think that the that being able to make art that's around it and and this is, is sort of contributing to that conversation being able to happen more freely between people and peers and and, and how why is that something that's so important to you and and to focus mm -hmm. on in your films oh i definitely think um actually i feel relieved um people are talking about it more even if it is kind of like what you're saying your birthday if it's people like man you know this covid's taking a toll on me physically emotionally um i think unfortunately that was I feel it's like the upside, right, with the pandemic. It's the unfortunate is, you know, people that, you know, had, you know, their life, you know, completely changed because of this pandemic. But I also feel, you know, the perk side, I could think of it's, well, people are, you know, ones who are still here, you know, from you know, they caught COVID or not, they're still here and present. I feel more people are taking care of themselves. You know, they're keeping in check themselves. Okay, something physically, I got to like, figure that out. Um, so I agree. I think even like, Gosh, I think even when I was in college, that wasn't really talked about, you know, therapy, counseling, or, you know, I'm feeling, you know, sad, I'm feeling, you know, anxious. That wasn't really, like, touched upon. Um, and definitely, you know, I think with the films, I want to say, I think because my first bigger project, The Extraordinary Ordinary, was dealing with, you know, strictly mental health and recovery for different characters at various stages in their recovery journey, I feel that definitely encouraged me to, you know, make sure I was okay, you know, going into a heavy, like shoot like that, you know, even though you can talk about it and prep, um, you know, as much as you can with the actors with the behind the scenes people, it's, you know, you're going to have your hard days, you know, I, you know, film shoots are still, you know, you're going to have, you know, good days, bad days, it's still a job. So I think definitely, I think, cause that was my first bigger project. It definitely encouraged me, um, you know, to make sure I was taking care of myself physically, mentally, on set or you know, I was also setting boundaries, you know, the cast and crew was like, you know, I don't, we don't want to play therapist with each other. We also mm -hmm. want to check each other, but like, how do you find a fine line of balance? Oh, that's my partner, Dan. Yeah. Sopranos. We've been watching that recently. So Gabagool <laughs> over here. <laughs> oh man. I, I wonder if he knows that or if he's just like, Oh shoot. I didn't know that. Papa. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh yeah, I, 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 I mean, we also we also had one eight 
actually come by. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, nice. That's, yeah, that's oh, fun. that's Fyra, very cool. Fyra's here. Hey, Fyra. Hi, yeah. Stopping by. I didn't forget um, I talked about. It. I was thinking about Sopranos. <laughs> the Sopranos. Um, is it your first time watching it, or is it a rewatch? Yes, it is. First well, time how far it. are you? How far okay. Are you? Oh, hold Season on. My virgin ears. Three. Hold on. Season do you three. recommend it? Okay, got it. Right. I do. Yes, I actually okay. think it's living up to the hype that I've been hearing. I mean, uh, I would be interesting time. to see how you feel about it once you get done with it. If you want to, I'd love to. I do know the last episode because I actually remember seeing, I think my parents had like a viewing party or something. I remember seeing like that last. Minute. So you're, so you already had, you already know how it ends basically. <laughs> I do, but okay. I don't know how they get there. So I'm okay. actually curious about that. And then I think too, film school also like ruined that. I think they mentioned it in one of the classes. They're like, oh, that's how it ends. And you're like, wait, I haven't watched it yet, man. Literally <laughs> the final scene of The Sopranos, and without giving any spoilers away, yeah. is a is a is a class on on mm-hmm. on filmmaking and and point of views and, and a bunch of other stuff there. It's like literally yeah. David Chase. It's I could do a whole I actually did an entire episode of Edward Film School about it. I just never released yeah. it. I, I it was just well, me talking about the whole scene and how it breaks everything down and shows you this shows cool. that. How there can be no ambiguity as to how it ended because of the way that he, they structured the scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, so right. it'll be interesting to, it'll be interesting yeah. to see what you feel about it as a filmmaker. I'm sh- I, I have to post like my reaction to that cuz yeah. I, I I feel like I'm going to definitely uh, my partner and I we He's loving it, but I'm like, oof, I feel I've known the spoilers just from like word of mouth over the past few years. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's yeah. another character, I think it's uh is it Adriana. Mm-hmm. Um, she's played by Drea. I always got her name's Andrea. She's like a bunch of she was in Sons of Anarchy and she's in a lot of films and TV shows, but I yeah, and I got a spoiler of her character, like from I think it was like my mom. I have this memory of my mom talking about that character years ago. Um it's a, like, it's a great show. It's a great show. All it's, right, it's, twist it's my comedy. arm. I'll it's a watch comedy it. too. I do recommend it. it. Yeah, I Tony, he is funny too. He they get little cool. The whole show's lines. a comedy. The whole show's yeah. a comedy. It's it's a it's it's, it's, it's it, like if, the, if you I mean on a second or third watching you realize how like all the comedy that's in there. Um, yeah, okay. But so that maybe it's not maybe that's not a first watch type situation. But I've rewatched it now probably about six or seven times, and I probably re, I probably rewatch it. Every, well, remember we used to have to wait till Sunday nights to see this mm-hmm. show. We didn't, you yeah. couldn't binge it. So I, oh, I all the way through, you rewatched it all the way through. I've rewatched it all the way through, probably about uh, three times, and I've rewatched it skipping over some of the therapy oh, wow. scenes a couple of times. Right. Okay. But that was like on the oh, fourth, fifth sense. rewatch. Yeah. So, but but it is an yeah, it's definitely a good show. Definitely. I mean, it for is. me, like. I mean, yeah. it's up there with what The Wire, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. Now it's definitely The Wire's good. next for me. Um, okay. I, have, I recommend getting HBO Max. HBO Max, they have The Sopranos, so I feel like they're starting to bring back a lot of like the shows from like the earlier two thousands, nineties. We got a lot of cool um, stuff on HBO Max. They got yeah. they got South Park. Barry they got uh, the Boondocks. Barry's they got a good one. Of, Barry's you know, a really was, good show. Yeah. What I was watching for a little bit. It's funny because you mentioned you watched Sopranos like six or seven times. That was me with Dexter. Like I swear, we watched that like two or three times during really? the pandemic. Um, and I was just like, I should probably find like a new show. This isn't like normal. I don't think to like be rewatching this over and again. The problem um, with Dexter is it should have ended after the Trinity Killer season, and they had the they la, had the la, they la, had la. they had the literal <laughs> they had they had the literal perfect ending after the John Lithgow season of of where they if yeah. they ended if they ended it right there. That was the perfect place. 
even if you wanted to bring it back a few years that's but then but then it all goes downhill after that it all goes Mm -hmm. downhill after that and 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 they just kept it on for money yeah same, money yeah it can be said for sons of honor anarchy that they oh, that, I love that show too. <laughs> that's it's supposed to be hamlet with a motorcycle club but mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they extended it and they kept extending and extending and extending until it just became so ridiculous at the end yeah and i think there was i think that one sons of anarchy there was like wait what's happening like again yeah, <laughs> like i think happening? i actually got like literally lost even though i was following it like you know week um, week. my favorite part of sons of anarchy is that they would drive everywhere in california they would go to nine different locations in california all through the same two-lane highway and they would just be like we got to go visit this guy in prison and now we got to go to blah 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 and then it was just like bam, bam, bam. It, just, it was like the the, the dragon flight in uh, game of thrones game of thrones so, yeah. teleportation the teleportation uh, yeah okay yeah let me send anarchy. <laughs> i can see that all right well natalie yeah. you love uh all genres mm-hmm. i do but, yeah yes but but no limits <laughs> Hold on a I know where this is going. Ah. Which one do you love? The oh most? man! Oh no! Now I'm nervous. I'm like, okay. I gotta eliminate. <laughs> no, 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 no! It's just something that something we, like we like to, like to do. Yeah. Something we like yeah. to do with all our guests. Something we like to call the bracket pit. <laughs> all right, boys, you guys know what that sound is. Time for bracket pit. Bracket bit. Right. Step for bracket bit. The heavy lifting part of the interview is over, which means I can relax for a second. Nice. <laughs> and we can do the bracket bit. I don't have to remember questions or be too cognizant anymore. All right. Yeah. So you love horror movies. Yeah. You love the horror genre. You're wearing a shining shirt. I know. Woo. Shout out. Yeah. To the shining. It is Halloween time. So yeah. for tonight's bracket bit, I have decided to do a horror movie face off. Nice. I'm going to give you two popular horror movies and oh, okay. their That's accompanying it. franchises. So okay. they're playing as a franchise. Versus franchise. each other. Some of them are solo. Some of them are franchises. You decide which one moves on until we have a winner. Are you uh, ready? Yeah. I'm ready. All right. In our first bracket, we have Halloween or I don't know if I would consider this a huge horror movie, but it's definitely moving. The Killing mm-hmm. of a Sacred Deer. Excuse him in a little Ooh, bit. Okay. Yes, um, I've got to say, my boy, Michael Myers. I mean, I think uh, my boy, Mikey. Got to go. Not going. Halloween. Halloween, yeah. Like Michael Myers. <laughs> Blair, not Blairy. Blair Witch Project. Mm. Okay. Or Alien. Oof. I love my indie horror, so I gotta say Blair Witch Project. I just is Alien really a horror movie? I guess it is. It would be more sci-fi, I'd say. I think so. I would say it's like a or maybe sci-fi with like horror, horror. elements. Or elements. I mean, yeah. the, uh, I mean like, face, face huggers are fucking scary as fuck. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is a creepy watch. Like, it's creepy, but yeah. You don't mind my writing here, but it follows, which is newer horror, or Ooh. The Exorcist. Oof, I gotta go with The Exorcist. I mean, Linda Blair. I gotta go with her. All right, we gotta go Tremors or right. Poltergeist. Oof, mm, that's a tough one. Supernatural or the horror is real and it's underneath us. 
I gotta say Tremors. Uh, I think Tremors. I know. Yeah, Robles. Tremors. Tremors. All right. Oh, the Poltergeist is a great film too, but yeah, Tremors is, you know, instincts pointing toward that one. <laughs> That's true. Well, you know what? You uh, the bracket is make is created for maximum pain, so you are my test rat. <laughs> you are the subject. Right <laughs> but whatever methodology you decide to use to fix to is is comparably is completely up to you. You can sometimes I say when people have a difficult choice, if you mm -hmm. had to watch one movie next, which one would you pop into the DVD player? You know what I mean? Right. Or you know yeah. that, that's sometimes that's usually how I like to decide: Silence right. of the Lambs or Hellraiser. Uh, Got to go with my Hannibal Lecter, Silence of the Lamb. Yeah, great, the lamb. great film. The Fly or Nosferatu? Oof. You know Classic what? Classic horror or body horror? I know. You know what? The Fly creeps me out. I got to say The Fly. I saw it for the first time about two months ago. Yeah. Um, gross special effects, but it's hard to like not cover your eyes. I mean, uh, you have to look like at this. It's just impressive what they've done, or what they did back then. I mean, why it is. I mean, oof. yeah. It's one of those films. <laughs> I don't give too much away, but it's like gross. Yeah, don't. I have not Look seen it. That. <laughs> Listen, and, and, and as far as, and as far as not film school, but just like mm -hmm. uh, modern kind of uh, YouTube film school, um, mm -hmm. The Fly is a perfect example of a linear script that doesn't have too many B plots or segues. Yeah. And it is a straightforward, perfect, perfect focused mm -hmm. story arc. It doesn't deviate a lot. It is, it is, if you're learning, if you want to learn about story, the mm -hmm. fly is a, not necessarily only for because of the, the body horror, because it's fucking Cronenberg, mm -hmm. because it's a brilliant yeah. performances, because of the cool special effects, even for the 80s. Yeah, um, definitely practical all practical um but but definitely as a story it is very it is very perfect it is a great example of how to tell a very linear simple story uh, I agree. nightmare on elm street franchise or the new horror weirdy uh, drug best movie mandy? to do heavy drugs for mandy is this uh nick cage yeah, yeah. just kind of like <laughs> ah it's a fuck. It's a free for all, man. It's 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 a, it's out there. Mandy Nick, I gotta go with my Nightmare on Elm Street. Hell <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I, I recommend Mandy. It is a yeah. It's it's interesting to see Nick Cage in that type of role. I'm just always yeah. watching him from like um, what's it called, Connor. That's always like the one film. Yeah, that's the go to. I don't, I don't rec, I don't, I no longer do hard drugs, but I will say that Mandy would be the title of best movie that's currently out to do hard drugs to, surpassing um, Hobo with a Shotgun for me, oh, which is, which okay. is one of, which is one of my favorite movies okay. of all time, which that's surpassed obviously, um, you know, a bit of the ultra violence, mm -hmm. which is the all time best movie for hard drugs. But that's neither <laughs> here or there. We don't do that anymore, and we don't yeah. promote drug use. So, but he I mean, says. Taking a swig. Yeah. <laughs> swig. <laughs> no, heavy. There's drug. There's California sober, Sophia. That's true. That's true. Right. Listen. <laughs> Jaws or The Shining? Uh, the Shining. <laughs> who would I be? You're saying wearing Jaws? the shirt. You have I know. Which... He's, he's wearing the shirt. She's wearing the shirt. <laughs> like, who would I be saying the other one? Jaws, oh. is, a horror, Jaws is a horror movie. Um, I kind of see it as yeah. a thriller a little more. Yeah. 
kind of a neat idea. It's weird the color. horror genre this have all yeah. it's horror and there, there's all these there's edges subgenres yeah within yeah right. right I hate Scream. you for that next one I hate <laughs> Scream or oh. The Ring and I saw Scream from here my eyes went there so gotta be ghost face. <laughs> Yeah. What did you have an issue with this one? Do you like the ring, Sophia? Well, I just love the ring as well. I don't know. It, it played yeah, a, it played a formative part in my like horror development. You know, oh, okay, like me like nice. yeah, because I was thinking like what sixth grade when it came out. So like I don't know. It's just yeah, the ring and then the and then you know scary movies that came after as well. Like all of that. It's just it, it holds a it special place been, in my heart. Must man. have been in sixth grade. When <laughs> I know. I'm like that's it. I'm still so young. Oh, I, listen, listen. I'm an elder millennial. Leave me alone. I am no the, the, longer the young. That's okay. I think yeah, I was no, looking in the grade. sixth grade like, when that came out. Like 32 when the ring came out. I think I was in sixth grade when that came out. <laughs> you know what? Shut up. Whatever. Okay. Whatever. All right. Two modern horror masters. We got Nope, Us, Get Ooh. Out, Jordan Ooh. Peele. All or we got know. Midsommar, Hereditary. Uh, it's got to be Ari for me, Midsommar. Uh, Hereditary. I just, I love those films. I just yeah. show my partner those films <laughs> over the summer and he hates them. So he's always, we're in a debate, like why he thinks those are the most boring films ever. But I just Boring? Yeah, he's not a big fan Were of those. Were you able to sleep <laughs> after watching Hereditary? No. Um, Hereditary okay, did. Same freak me out mm -hmm. Tony I mean Tony Clutch she's just amazing and I think yeah. I slept with like my light on I think I saw that during earlier pandemic days right because nothing to do so all I did was like mm -hmm. watch movies TV that mm -hmm. did freak me out and then Midsummer, it like gave me anxiety I just remember like watching mm -hmm. it and you're just like what the f what the f like wait what like but yeah. it's they're just so like they're films I can rewatch over again I just think they're mm -hmm. so beautifully shot and it's just such a just, I don't know they're just it sounds cliche but they're just so original it's like I can't think of any other other films that really like story-wise that other films that kind of mocked maybe more visuals like I know Midsummer's been compared to The Wicker Man mm -hmm. um yeah no they're just yeah no hereditary yeah just that did freak it's me so out the first year. yeah Same. I like Midsommar better than Hereditary myself. Really? Like, that, yeah, I would say I Midsommar. Like, I, love I do it. like. I just like how cold she was at the end. I don't know. I just. I just felt like. Yeah. But then it was like, um, what did I read? Oh, there was a like a follow up take where it was like, you know, Midsommar is really about like, um, mm. like, uh, like white power, like, like oh, not necessarily, like, <laughs> like the cult represents like, uh, you know what I mean? Like it, it was something. It was like the the cult is obviously one of those mm. takes. You know, like the cult oh, obviously yeah. represent like uh, not white power, but like you know. What am I? What am I trying to say here? Whatever, uh, whatever your agenda is, it can represent that. Yeah, <laughs> basically, it's like yeah, that's it, uh, or or something, right? Like that's that yeah. because they're trying to keep like a pure race, and they're doing this. Mm. And I was like, I just thought it was about like a crazy ass cult, but I could see that's how about that's too. you know. So there's that thing. Damn. Uh, I did. I did. Mm -hmm. uh, I do love that both of these directors are directors where you get so, mm -hmm. you get you get more stuff out of the films the second and third time that you watch them, like Midsommar with all the mm -hmm. telegraphed you know stuff that's happening in the mm -hmm. backgrounds and the and then you know and Get Out and Nope, all the stuff and us, all the stuff you know, all the signs that you get you know before you get that. So these are definitely 
it's mm-hmm. awesome that over the last what like five seven years these two directors have been you know brand new directors to the horror scene are just fucking putting yeah. out some some incredible stuff yeah all right we got final destination franchise versus a quiet place oh i gotta go with my final destination oh this is mm-hmm. so fun again like their films yeah, i can yeah. always like rewatch again yeah. even like no. um like number five it's like when that come out maybe like i think that was a newer one um uh, i love that one i, I know it gets kind of ripped apart but i just it's a fun watch i think it's with the bridge uh nobody's Nobody's ever driven behind an 18-wheeler with some logs on nope. top of it without getting flashbacks <laughs> to that movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that meme. 10 years. And I always remember the memes like, yeah, no, <laughs> they're right. All right, we got Carrie or Gremlins. Uh, I gotta go with Carrie. I'm supposed to see that this week. Um, Hollywood Forever's doing a screening at Sinespia. Nice. I just, oh, Very cool. I love Carrie. Such a beautiful film. I mean, it's just great performances. Um, you know, Sissy and I always forget the woman's name plays her mom, but she scared the hell out of me growing up as a kid. Like, to put the mom in Carrie. Mm-hmm. All right, we got the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or the Evil Dead Ooh. franchise. Ooh, I know, because I really like The Last Evil Dead. Oh, yeah. man. I'm going to say Evil Dead. Uh, just Over, over Leatherface. Yeah, just... You know, I love Ash, and then they got the TV show. Is it Ash versus Evil? Okay. And so that's fun. fine. It's your choice. <laughs> All right, we got the Lost Boys, which I was actually almost—it was playing here locally uh, at Film Out. Uh, oh, thing, nice. And it was—they uh, were playing it on the big screen, but I was—I was on set yesterday, so I couldn't go. Uh, oh, but nice. that's probably one of my favorite movies. I actually have a. I have a treatment of something that's the Lost Boys meet something else, but the Lost Boys or Psycho. I gotta go with the Lost Boys. Uh, and I think they're remaking it or rebooting. Unfortunately. I believe. Yeah. yeah. I think. I'm it's curious Mac, to see how Michael. that turns out. It's so, such a great 80s movie. It's a fucking yeah. perfect 80s movie. Mm-hmm. All right. Cujo or The Thing? Mm. Oh, God. I just saw The Thing not too long ago, too, for the first time. Huh? Nice. Who drew the thing? Oh, God. <laughs> kind of a hard one. Animals attack or? The thing attacks. <laughs> Animals are things. You know, I gotta say the thing. Um, I just yeah. I think it's, it's... Classic. You can't go wrong with the thing. Trippy. Yeah. That one was a trippy one. And I just... Kurt Russell, I mean, so yeah. such a badass. <laughs> right, this movie, I feel like this, there are no wrong answers in this bracket. This I know. <laughs> Like, this movie's being mar- <laughs> <laughs> this movie's being marketed as a movie that makes people pass out and throw up in their theater. Ah, yes. Uh it's Terrifier 2 mm-hmm. of the Terrifier franchise or Friday the 13th. I'm going with Terrifier because I just saw the sequel really? two yesterday and I loved it. Uh, what? I want to watch Why it. Haven't I heard of this. Art the Clown? Terrifier. No, never. Yeah, they're they're I had I've never seen any of the Terrifier movies, so oh. I definitely I definitely want to like very soon, as in probably after this pod tonight. Uh, yeah, but, definitely watch it. But uh, but I'm just more interested in the way it's some of these newer horror movies are mm-hmm. getting. Like you know, I went with my friend and they passed out halfway through the movie. I had a great rest <laughs> after yeah. the EMS workers got him out of there. I had a great rest of my night. Like oh my like, god, like um. Do you feel that 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 any of these types of movies ever it, it are because I know there's mm-hmm. 
we've talked to uh, Miguel from the Horrible Imaginings Film Festival here in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And he's, cool. you know, he does a horror, he does a horror film festival. He's like one of the top mm-hmm. five rated horror festivals in the U.S. Nice. And and we talk a lot about you know the reasons for horror you know like uh like south american mexican horror and kind of mm-hmm. where it comes from as like a response to trauma mm-hmm. and stuff like that and, and and stories and then there's horror movies from italy from japan that tackle different right. types of stuff and eastern yeah. european it's in in spain it's like a it's a it's a it's a it's a conversation about fascism you know disguised mm-hmm. as a movie right mm-hmm. but then there's just like like uh like like uh like just horror porn just like yeah. this this other torture genre that's just like torture porn like i just want to yeah. make something nasty and disgusting mm. and and yeah. and to make people puke you know human centipede sorry yes <laughs> oh that that film scarred me like no joke for like a month Same. i just would think of the like, scenes and i like cringe i'm like oh god no that, that's the one film that got to me uh yeah that and i actually no human centipede and is it itchy the the killer, she the, the killer. killer? I can killer? never watch that film. I try and I always like, yeah, I'm getting scarred. Yeah, <laughs> that's where yeah, I wimp out. That's where I tap out for those. So good though. Itchy. Yeah, I know. I hear him. I gotta like, oof, maybe Terrifier too, because I know Terrifier too. Um, uh, I mean, I I think there's like I don't wanna give so much away, but there, there are like moments you're like, oh, oh yeah, no, they went there. But I'm curious if it's maybe possibly gorier than Itchy. Um. I've been okay. hearing some of those comparisons, so if I can stomach um, too, yeah, stomach I guess like <laughs> a, Ser- yeah. a Serbian movie is is a movie that's Ooh. been sort of like that that you don't that uh, you just like oh, okay yeah all right they, it it is what it is but they or, said the same thing about like Cannibal Holocaust or or, or something up now yeah you know, so and Cannibal Holocaust they actually brought the people up in front of the trial and said prove to us you didn't yeah. kill this person yeah that's how that's how legit the effects were there they killed a bunch of animals though. Oof. And then pretended to kill a, uh, a person, and then mm-hmm. the, they actually had to show had to show up in court with them and say, "Hey, look, they're not dead." Uh, Cyrus says, "Not horror technically, but can never rewatch Requiem for a Dream." Yeah, ah uh, mm-hmm. man, I you love Requiem for that. a Dream so much. Um, Salo is another movie like that that I, I don't really rewatch. I mean, there's all kinds of movies that I can't rewatch, either horror movies or some right. that are really, really good. Like I don't really like to rewatch Schindler's List or, for example, City of God because I think yeah. they're they're both powerful movies, mm-hmm. but they also have mm-hmm. a lot of sad stuff in it. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like once is enough. But I was just kind of interested in how you felt about those sort of different levels of horror uh, and stuff. Yeah, like that. Um, I know. I, I I could see that. I mean, for me, like Terrifier. I know some people are. I feel the director, Damien, he's more, he reminds me of Eli Roth. Like, I feel there's actually a story and purpose to the people being so sadistic and brutal, mm-hmm. <laughs> like Art the Clown, or like we see in Hostel, you know, by Eli Roth. Um, and I think, like, Hostel, I can rewatch, I can watch the first one over again. The sequel, there's an infamous scene. I got to usually like fast forward through that part, but um, where the girl's hanging upside down. That's <laughs> all I'll say. Oh, the, the, the Virgin Blood yeah. one? Yeah, like that's where I'm like, ah, okay, yeah, once enough. Um, but I feel like there's actually like a story behind them. So I don't feel like, I don't feel like evil, um, not evil dead. I don't feel like hostile or terrifying are like up there with um, a Serbian film or martyrs. I think martyrs is another one. Martyrs, like, yeah. I never watched it. I've had 
my partner, whenever I bring it up, he's like, I don't want to talk about that. Can we change the subject? Like he gets pretty, <laughs> like, I feel like I hit a trigger point. So I'm like, all right, if he's like, no, like, I'm pretty sure like I can't make The other thing about martyrs <laughs> is you, you, you want, you want to be secure in your place in the universe before you watch that. Oof. Cause it's, it's more of like an existential horror film about oh, nothing gosh. mattering. And that's, it's, that's more the, the real, like the horror is that you just look at your life and you're like, what's the point? That's basically oh, the horror of martyrs. Oh, no. But, it is. It is. Uh, it is. It, it is an interesting. The mist. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, the mist. mist is a good one. Yeah. All right. Side note. Um, uh, uh, Takashi Mike. Takashi Mike. Right. Uh, Takashi Mike from uh, Itchy the Killer. Uh, his best movie, if you haven't seen it, is Thirteen Assassin. Oh, and I've heard it. that. Okay. That is that is a, a, a to, to to any filmmaker that I talk to, I always make sure that that, that you watch that because that is. I watch it. Takashi Miike, obviously, he did Itchy the Killer, and he does a lot of those extreme like he does he he does all kinds of genres, you know, Japanese cop movies, all kinds of shit. But Thirteen Assassin, okay. it's a siren. There's a 45 minute samurai battle towards the end of the movie. It is a fucking. Really? Yeah, it oh, is a it hey. is a fucking beast of a movie, and it's really cool. So I, I, it's I've it's recently become like one of my probably like top 15 20 movies that i've ever that i've ever seen it's definitely a masterpiece okay. uh, underrated nice. also side note favorite eli roth movie knock knock Ooh. with anna de armas and Keanu that's Reeves. a good one of course <laughs> yeah. oh anna <laughs> I, did hear, I did hear in one of your episodes today yeah anna that's your handstand woman <laughs> yeah that's, that's it that, that's yeah. my that's she my, can yeah. do it yeah, that's, i was she like can do, oh, she yeah, can do you know, I was listening to another podcast. Eli Roth was, um, I didn't know that. That was her first American film, Knock Knock. I guess she was, yeah. you know, um, Eli Roth was saying in an interview today that, yeah, I think before that she was just doing films uh, from Spain or different mm -hmm. countries. And I guess he just discovered her at a festival or something. Rosen knows what I'm talking about. Nice. Yeah. yeah no, I like Knock Knock. I've been trying to get like more people to watch that. I feel it was free pizza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like because people are like, oh, Keanu Reeves in a horror film. Yeah. I feel like I get that a lot. They're like, no, it's really entertaining. And yeah, I like um, Lorenzo. I think um, that was Eli Roth's like wife at the time. She plays yes. the other girl. Mm -hmm. um, I love her. I mean, I, I thought she was great in Knock Knock. I love The Green Inferno. I know some people don't like that film, but it's so yeah. fun. It's campy and. Yeah, I mean, I just, what, I but, like you the know, style. they stick uh, the weed inside the guy that they're gonna eat. Yes, the whole that's, <laughs> like that's what I would do. There's a yeah, there's a fun <laughs> line for regarding that scene, and you're just like, oh, it's it's just fun. <laughs> All right, we got a bracket to finish. Stop stalling, yes. Natalie. All oh, right, we're going back up to the top. Yeah, we got a, <laughs> Halloween or the Blair Witch Project. Halloween, Ooh. a classic or found footage. I gotta go with my Michael Myers. Yeah, any right. day. The Exorcist or Tremors. I gotta say, The Exorcist still yeah. creeps me out. Silence yeah. of the Lambs or The Fly? Oof. You know, I think I'm gonna say The Fly. Yeah, oh. young Jeff Goldblum. I mean, yeah, Gina Davis, Cronenberg. Did you watch? Uh, did you see um, mm -hmm. Crimes of the Future? No, not yet. I gotta see that though. I've been at, I added to my list earlier this week. Have you seen it? Yes. Mm -mm. Worth it. What is that Crimes of the Future? Yes, yeah, it's, nice. it's uh, the same director as The Fly. It's Cronenberg's mm -hmm. last movie. Uh, what's um, Vampire Kirst Girls in it? Oh yeah. Uh, oh, uh, Christian Stewart. Such, I was like, what's it? I'm yeah. such a fucking boomer. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> like a Twilight chick. <laughs> <laughs> 
this is a this is like a, a random note but um there was a people more to say no there uh, there was um there was this guy and uh, his uncle they were asked they were asking his uncle like what what he was watching on tv this was like mm -hmm. in the like late 90s and there's okay. this old italian dude and he's like hey uncle what are you watching he's like uh buffer the vampire slayer right <laughs> and, and then they were like what's the what's that about and the uncle goes uh jew bride hunts vampires that was <laughs> that was his entire <laughs> definition of the show was jew broad hunts vampires, nice. vampires <laughs> i think that's actually on the imdb credit page oh, i don't know that awesome <laughs> good check it <laughs> no uh nightmare on elm street or the shining Oof. oh no kills draculas that was what it was kills she kills dracula, dracula. she kills draculas oh, kills dracula <laughs> That was I was like, is that a film title? Dang this up. No, but that's for Buffy. <laughs> um, oh, man. Is Shining or Freddy? Uh, I got to say, The Shining, it's just one of those I can rewatch. As I'm getting older, I can rewatch over and over again. It's just beautiful yeah, work. It's, so, it's, so, it's, it's, it's referenced in so many other movies. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it's such an like, icon. It's, you can't get away from The Shining. Um, and Doctor Sleep's yeah. good too. I want to point that out. The sequel. Technically, yeah, I was going to put that on there because technically it is part of that. Yeah, I did. You know mm -hmm. what? I, 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 I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought. Uh, I did too. Yeah. I, I, know, like, I think I was... it bombed technically at the box office. Oh, sorry. I pressed the wrong button here. Uh, where do I get my stuff here back? Sorry. Oh, no. Um, it, I don't know. <laughs> what happened? It didn't go. It didn't do well at the box office. But when it's a, when it's a sequel to something so iconic, and it's been that long it kind of gets like that godfather three treatment like is this gonna suck or is this gonna be any good yeah um, mm -hmm. uh you never know but the I shining is a classic yeah mm -hmm. you said that okay. oh you said this you said the shiny right oh no the might no we're still on the right. bottom sorry 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. oh it moves <laughs> yeah, yeah no 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 i uh I, I put it here by mistake but uh we'll, we'll ah. go with that all right so scream okay. or midsommar hereditary the scream franchise versus ari lush gotta go with scream yeah, yeah. Scream it carry your final destination. Oof, I gotta say, carry evil dead or lost boys. Campy, campy. Ooh. I gotta say, evil dead. That last one, I think it's 2013. I just, I love that film. <laughs> That's so good. Kills Dracula. Really the Terrifier good. or the thing? Uh, Art the Clown, hands down, all the way. Ooh, I need but, to watch this one then. Yeah, versus I watch evil it. dead. The clown versus Evil Dead. I gotta go with the clown. Um, wow! No, I gotta see part two again. I just I keep thinking about it all day about Terrifier two. Carrier scream. Scream for me. The Shining or the Fly. Yeah, for that one, The Shining. So you actually did have it <laughs> the first time. Halloween or The Exorcist. Halloween for me. All right, we got our final four. We got Halloween or The Shining. <laughs> Halloween or The Shining? Oh my God, that's actually really hard. That's a lot of movies. That's like I know eleven movies plus the reboots for plus the 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 H two O ones. Oh shoot! You know what? I gotta say, my Michael Myers. I one of my favorite sequels. It's so fun, and I think it's getting better with age. It's um, Resurrection. It's just a fun little sequel <laughs> with Buster Rhymes. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Halloween gets through. And then on the other side, we have the Scream franchise, which was the movie mm-hmm. that uh, started your love of horror that you watched when you were too young as a kid. We lost Sophia, but she'll rejoin us here in a second, oh, I'm sure. I remember she went. Yeah, I'm sure she just, her Wi-Fi went down for a moment. Oh. Um, so we have Scream, pivotal to your youth. Yeah. Or we got this 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 new coming vamp this new coming clown this new yeah. franchise who knows how many they're gonna make that is true oof oh man that is like that's the toughest one because you know you're right scream has an impact on childhood and terrifiers such a great character art the clown oh man oh i was like this sucks <laughs> i'm trying to think because i know i just i wasn't happy with the last scream but i feel there's potential you know what? I can't even say this. I'm gonna have to say Terrifier. I just think wow. that character. I mean, he just sticks with you, Art the Clown, and I think it's been a while since a villains had that much of like an impact. Where you're like, oh my god, he's so twisted, but yet he's also funny at the same time. He's like comedic. Um, that yeah. is that is a heck of a cosign for Terrifier. Yeah. No, I'm like I. I should put you on the PR team. <laughs> I know the one's like it's not not paid, you know, not advertising. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're gonna come down to the final bracket here. Uh, You've answered all the questions. We've talked about your movies, your love, your beginnings, Mm -hmm. and now Sophia joins us for the final one here. Let me let me get her back on screen here. I warned you, my Wi-Fi is terrible. Oh no, you did warn me. (laughs) Relax, that happens. All right, so we're down to the final two. Right on time. Cool. Yeah. Halloween, Michael Mauer, Myers, mm-hmm. Terrifier, oh, Clown, the Clown versus Michael, or the Shape, I know, mm-hmm. the Knife, and I hated Last Halloween too. <laughs> That's a whole other. <laughs> I can go on like for you know ten episodes about that last one. Oh crap! Wait, the Halloween movies in reverse. No, I'm just kidding. No. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> You're like, wait, which ones? Which again? Yeah. <laughs> I know Halloween's such a classic. You know, I think this is where I got to put my foot down. I think Halloween for me. Um, All right, there's nothing like the original. Hey, this is this is a good for Terrifier. This is probably. I mean, it got through Scream. It got through Evil Dead. It got through Mm -hmm. the thing. It got through Friday the Thirteenth. My goodness! And some people might think I'm insane, but no, you got to watch it. I mean, there's there's no there's no Regency bias there. Yeah. I know. So like why? What's wrong with the the thing? What's wrong with the aliens? <laughs> yeah. I know. Terrify got pretty far into that list. Um yeah, picked over screen, picked that. over childhood. Yeah. 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 What, just... what was that about? Also the shining. It got left at the last what one. What was it for? Oh, Halloween. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I know. Because Halloween, you know. That was only a horror film my my grandma watched. She hated horror films except Halloween, the first one. She liked Really? Yeah, she like absolutely refused. She's like, nope, uh, I won't see. She wouldn't even watch The Exorcist, even though she read the book. She was a big reader. Um, mm-hmm. but she refused to see the movie. Um, and plus, she was a hardcore Catholic. So she was one of those people that thought if you see like a film about the devil, even if you're curious, you're opening that door yeah. to that evilness. I was like, oh, okay. Did she have an opinion on Poltergeist and all the people that like passed away on set and all of that? Or She refused to watch, I think, because of that mm-hmm. reason. I think she didn't like anything Haunted House. Um, I think with Halloween, she thought that was more on like the thriller side. Right. She told me she's like, because there's not, it's not in your face. I remember her telling me that was a kid. 
It's on your mm. face. It's not like over the top gore. Or, <coughs> there wasn't a lot of blood in the first one. Spoiler alert. But again, it's been out for like 40 years or so. Yeah. No. Yeah. One thing I always like to ask people after the bracket, is there a movie that's that that we didn't mention that you thought you were going to see that, that you thought was omitted? What was the biggest snub or you know, a movie that you thought? Hmm. Oh, I guess maybe a, kind of a newer one. I feel it's getting a, its own cult following. Trick or Treat. Trick um, or Treat. With Sam, uh, it's the little guy. It's like the little scarecrow bag over his head. Um shoot what's the director's name because there's been talks they're gonna do a sequel it's a film that came out years ago oh yeah as a young um younger anna paquin uh she has a role in there Hmm. i think i saw it on the list michael doherty yes michael directed by yeah um i feel because that one kind of blew up i remember seeing it like back in high school and I feel yeah I, I just I feel like because now I see like the merch everywhere um even Spirit Halloween has like the little doorstep with like Sam the oh, villain yeah, yeah. I'm so trick or treat to watch yeah. okay I don't maybe trick or treat I don't know if this one's considered horror I feel like it's like a thriller with horror film elements Black Swan I think that's it's one mm. of my favorite films so that's a good one um, yeah it's like a psychological thriller slash horror yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like there's some horror elements in it yeah. I was also thinking about Jeepers Creepers as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, or like I'm, the Jeepers what Creepers. Are, what one. is that incest one with the hillbillies? Oh, the hills have eyes. Hills have eyes. Yeah. I was like, uh, <laughs> oh yeah. You mean every yeah. porno movie <laughs> ever? <laughs> What do you talk? What do you... Uh, we're live with Natalie Rodriguez, Extraordinary Pictures. Uh, you can watch all her stuff uh, online now mm-hmm. on Tubi and other channels. She's also on Amazon. You can find her books on Amazon. She's all over the place. I, we want to thank her very much for being on today. We're gonna yeah. do a palate cleanser, and then we'll probably knock into some. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna knock into uh, a couple of tabs, catch up on some news of the week. Uh, and like I said, Natalie, you're welcome to, to hang on. And but if at Hello, any point you definitely. need to you need to leave, you're, we're good to go. All right. I do want to show you this pilot cleanser here. Like I was saying, what makes oh my them God, crazy is that guys here. Ah. Nuts. Especially if the girl in her head is as attractive or more attractive than her. So, I can't. I can't. You, a very attractive girl, come outside and slap me hard across the face. I'm going to mute her. She's going to think, what did he do to that girl to make her so crazy? And... She's gonna want to talk to you. And this is probably gonna get you late. Look at that. That's that's acting. This is terrible. No. Oh my god. Oh my god, Lou, I hate you. What? Oh, this is my favorite scene. No. Is it over? This is the this is a you crying because you're mad about the breakup scene. Why did you make that? Can I ask why you made the color like that? Tied to the color. I think at one point I eat a burrito and I cry. Oh. Can this end? Oh my god, Louise. I can't. Oh my god. Oh man. Going down the social feed. I love this part. This is my best, my favorite bit in the whole movie. Mars is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. 
breakfast. <laughs> oh, the burrito. Okay, so it's <laughs> the spoon. She, oh, she's, it, good all right, she, she's eating a burrito and um, putting ice cream on it. Oh, oof. yeah. Okay, you know what? Russell says Sophia in action. That's right. No, no. That's my what? girl right there. That's the that's 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 our that's Everyone our muse. Write that from your memory box. We never saw no, that. I want to see it now because I'm actually yeah. curious. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, a, no, it's a, the breakup scene. You it's know, they a, gotta, yeah. ice cream or junk food or yeah, wine. You have a glass of wine there too. It's yeah. a it's a it's a rom com. Pretty Amy Downside. But I do if I do say so myself. Uh, it is not the Rosa is very strong and she doesn't go back to Hank after that. She becomes, Why would you spoil uh, it? She goes back to him like every other chick in every rom-com. There oh, there yeah. No, it's different from your typical rom-com. I hear you. Yeah, I like rom-coms too. No, I'll watch there's, it. There's an opening masturbation scene 30 seconds in. You know, that's why. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I just had a, I had that cute up from earlier. Plug. Jeez. <laughs> sorry. Anybody, go watch Slapworthy on on no. on, uh, on Facebook or on, on YouTube. I'm sorry. All right, uh, all right. Uh, knocking out some of these tabs that I've been saving for the week here. Um, here we go. Here. Uh, I keep seeing the dog. Who's the dogs? What's his name? Or her? There's three of them. Oh, I think the one. <laughs> there's Baxter. There's two pit bulls, Baxter and Shy Girl, and then there's a uh, and then a German Shepherd named Oso. Uh, yeah. Is he still shedding? He's, he still has a little bit of a skin thing, but I've been using coconut oil on him and some other stuff, so it's helping him yes. out. Oh, good. All right, our friend uh, Carlos Aguilar from uh, that we interviewed a few a few months back. He put out a list of 1950 movies. I guess you started with Mexican horror. Um, so everything from the vampire, the vampiro, 1957, Mm. the body snatcher, 1957, uh, a bunch of older films. So I'm going to link this in the section in case anybody wants to kind of catch up on some of these older, Mm -hmm. you know, we want to promote Latino horror, even if it's older. And we obviously had an author, Deborah Castaneda, who, oh, I got it right here. Oh, where is mine? Oh, it's out of reach. Darn it. She gave nice. us a copy of the. She gave Ru- us a Witch. copy of that. I was reading it earlier. Right on. Very good. <coughs> hint, hint. No, no. So anyway, we we got that going on here. Uh, let me knock out some more stuff here, uh, and then we'll get to Nonamis way. Uh, give me a second. Let me see what's good for our guests here today. All right, uh, this is a real life commercial for Pop Rocks in uh, two thousand one, I believe. Better luck next time. What are you gonna do? I can't stress enough. This is an actual commercial from like 2001. I have a plan. I want you to change my grade. Why should I do that? Mm. What? This rate will be here all day. Whoa. This was on TV. There's no <laughs> way. Get your rocks off. Oh, my goodness. What? There's that's no that, way. That's on Lou, TV. Lou, there's no way. That was on TV in the, no. in the early 2000s. This is Jeez. real. This is real. This is real. Pop wow. Rocks was a real thing. I, I don't know, man. Like a- funnier diet <laughs> like skin almost yeah, yeah, yeah that's oh what God. i thought too i'm like are you sure 
All right, this is an interesting topic for um for um since now this year. All right, NBC Universal is launching a initiative designed to turn TikTokers mm. into its next generation of television creators. Now, I will say this about I it's supposed to be real, Cyro. Like there, I went down a whole rabbit hole on this on these posts about like commercials that couldn't be done today and it was like mm-hmm. a pop props commercial from 2004 yeah. i will say it is wild if you do continue down the rabbit hole of just everything that we used to say do and watch in the early 2000s that would yeah, not that, that just would not fly all right yeah. um so i will defend tiktokers and reel makers and stuff like that even vine makers back in the day mm-hmm. because i do think that the the concept of a of a story arc and of like doing something and, and telling a concise story is something that not all TikToks have it because some of it's just them people going, you know, mm-hmm. in various mm-hmm. locations on earth. But but there are some that are well-contained, like little stories, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't begrudge anybody how they tell a story, whether it's a seven-minute, seven-second Vine, whether it's a 90-second TikTok. If you can tell a story, you can tell a story. However, the issue that I have with this is... Hollywood says that they're looking for Latino creators, realizes that there were over 8,000 hours of TV shows made last year, and there were a total of less than 10 Latino showrunners across the entire industry and over 8,000 hours of TV made. Uh, When people that are established that have made feature films, short films, and they can't get an opportunity to pitch or even do like episode seven of a season, we can't get, Mm -hmm. you know, is this a good thing? And I have my thoughts on that. <laughs> I saw yeah, that actually please, yesterday. Please, please. Um, no, I, I agree. I don't want it because there have been, um, I think of like the one of the original YouTubers, like Bo Burnham. I think he's a fantastic oh. storyteller and director. I didn't know he started on YouTube. So I don't want to say like it's a dumb idea, but I guess I can point at this angle. The studios are only doing that because they think, oh, someone has 10 million followers. So that means we're going to get, you know, 10 million views. I feel that's a, that's not the right way to look at it. Oh, that's TikTok, a promo video. The it's sort of like the, the real world. The TikTokers oh. are on the lot. <laughs> Queen Elizabeth. Oh, that must be like an ad or something. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, basically, it's the NBCU, NBCU mm-hmm. accelerator program, and and it's basically trying to get deals with TikTokers to make TV shows. But here's my question: Do TikTokers are the audience of TikTokers really people that watch network television? No, but I think that's probably the the goal is to get them to yeah. switch over. Is there any amount of 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 loving your favorite TikToker that would make you want to like turn on a regular TV and, and look for NBC like Channel Thirty Nine like I, to get cable or I mean I you get like the peak. no me at this age no but if I think back to the demographic of TikTok they're mainly middle school high school and at mm-hmm. the time let's say you're obsessing over Justin Bieber whoever mm-hmm. you know and sync whoever was um popular i think that people are gen zers would probably switch over if they love the tiktoker enough like i know people are like obsessed with the what are those sisters called i don't know i'm even too old for tiktok <laughs> yeah look at no. you part your hair the, the, the Emilios. there you, you go don't, you don't okay. even part your hair in the middle anymore i know <laughs> i'm an old millennial yeah like i said i i, I think some of the some of the skill set trans 
transition are in terms of storytelling and if they can mm-hmm. turn a 90 second tiktok or a series of tiktoks into a 22 minute show and they can do 12 to 20 episodes then more power to them i just mm-hmm. i just feel like it's 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 there's a, there's i feel like there's also if you want quality programming there's also a, a subset of people you know in and around la new york chicago that that could mm-hmm. do a much better job for you right so do you have any, yeah. do you have anything else to expand to that natalie I think going off of that, I do agree with that. I think kind of going back to like, you know, I've met, I mean, I feel like over the years, I've met more people that will pick someone over acting role because that person has, you know, more followers. And I'm always like, but what if that person's more talented? Like, that's just, you know, it's like, it's all about, you know, you know, it does come down to like the talent, like, you know, are they able to present themselves, you know, on camera if they're trying to do acting? And I feel like the same with even behind the scenes, like, I feel, you know, there's a big transition from doing 90 seconds to, you know, yeah, that 22 minute, 30 minute, you know, pages or, you know, minutes, I feel, you know, are they aware of like, you know, you have to make a character and you'd have to have them like go through all these like, you know, arcs or multiple characters, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want I mean, again, I mean, I'm always like, iffy with TikTok. I mean, I had a TikTok like beginning of pandemic and then I personally got rid of it just because I'm like, I just I'm sitting here watching like just a bunch of random things. Like I'm actually going to go watch something like with a story. So, but again, it's like, I totally get it. Like you said earlier, Sophia, like I feel TikTokers, it is with the middle schoolers and maybe even high schoolers too. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious to see where it goes personally. Um, but it also this kind of this program reminds me of, I think it was the Paul brothers. Was it Logan Paul? And oh yeah, when they have the the house, the, the vlog house or something. Yeah, or, or they yeah. did the. I think it was a Logan Paul. He directed a, I think it was a feature film like about a bunch of. There were a bunch of like t- Vine stars, but there's Vine going to, um, was it TikTok or something like that? Um, they moved over to another app. It was like a bunch of them, like as a cast members, but I think that bombed. So. I was shocked because personal was like, oh, wow, it's like, you know, someone like Logan Paul or Jake Paul, like all these people are tweeting and Instagramming about it. And mm-hmm. still, I feel like no one wanted to see them on like film. So I'm yeah, personally curious fair. to see if that'll be like another instant like that, or maybe perhaps if the TikTokers are behind the scenes and they're trying to develop the story, maybe people will be a little more open to it. Because mm-hmm. um, I know that's a debate too. And I even debate that too. Like, you know, for me personally, if it was like someone that, auditioned for me and someone who maybe didn't have an Instagram had the stronger audition over someone that has, you know, the 500,000 plus, you know, followers on Instagram, I would go with personally, you know, that person that had the stronger audition versus the numbers for the social. Uh, That's just me personally. I know some people might be the opposite. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, thank you for that. Because I feel yeah. like now, I feel like nowadays, every time you audition, they ask for your socials. And sadly, Oof. it plays a big part on whether you get the role yeah. or not. Yeah. I I do feel like that's unfair, but it's also like, I can't, I mean, but then you're like, well, I get it from a producer standpoint, but then you're yeah. also like, Ugh. it does come down to talent and like yeah. believable with the roles. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, like I said, as long as they, they make space for us in other places, you know, or like you said, I mean, if they find if they if they decide that they're going to um, they're going to make this thing and then maybe bring on some like more experienced people to hold their hands, mm-hmm. that might be yeah. a thing. Right. That could be something, yeah. like, you know, they can give me a job there. Yeah. All right. I know. 
All right, we're wrapping up. We're wrapping up here with uh, Natalie Rodriguez, knocking out some final tabs. We're going to do Nonamis way, and then we'll get out of here. Reminding you that if you are watching us live, you can always listen to the audio version of this podcast as you go about your day. Just look for Mi Gente Show. Here's an episode, uh, What is Latinidad? Hey, we got 200 downloads on this one. Um, And and you can see Mi Gente Show, all the episodes here. Uh, We talked about a bunch of stuff. And then here at the top, you can see where... Hey, you can watch us on Apple. Listen to us, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify. Yeah. All over the interwebs is where we are. Mi gente show. Todas parte, mi gente. All right, so yeah. the Natalie Rodriguez episode will be up there in a few days. We'll let you guys know when it's mm-hmm. that. All right. Uh, and then the only other things that I thought here were interesting is um, the tale of the racist lesbian emu farmer. Oh. Now... I don't know if you guys caught this girl. Um, she got it went TikTok and uh, Instagram famous because she would do all these videos with her emu. She's on a farmer. It was like farmer TikTok, and the emu would always be like trying to like peck at the phone and stuff, like not uh-huh. record her. Okay. So it was basically her and the emu. Um, and uh, you know, then <laughs> it turns out, as always, there's a there's a deeper story. Um, she's a lesbian, uh-huh. and she used to fetishize black women, I guess. Uh, and, uh, she started, uh, posting stuff and I guess she was taking, kissing her, uh, bird that had, uh, her bird had, uh, avian flu and she was, (gasps) which is not something that you're supposed to be doing. We're not supposed to be making out with your, 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 your bird that has bird flu because you could transmit it to people. Uh, right. And then it came out that uh, Emmanuel Emu Lesbian has a long history of being unapologetically racist online. Oh. Um, back in her bind days, she had a character called uh, Good oh. Karen. Um, and she apparently did a bunch of like uh, a, a bunch of stuff online that was bad. <laughs> There's a couple of threads about it on Twitter that oh, I, I kind of yeah. went down the rabbit hole on it. Um, the fact that we can even have a lesbian emu, that we can even have a lesbian farmer influencer who is also a God fearing conservative racist shows a failure of <laughs> shows the failure of identity based representation politics. Uh, there was a couple of treads uh, like breaking down. Her name is Taylor Blake, um, and basically, then it, it as everything does on Twitter, it delves into um, white lesbians on a uh, you know. And versus black lesbians and that uh, whole subculture stuff. Uh, basically, the part of that is basically her using the term um, uh, stud. But oh, I, we're getting there. Okay. Right. You know, we're talking about Sophia. Sophia. Oh, uh, yeah. This is your community. So you tell me. How do you, no. how do you feel about it? <laughs> no quiero. Apparently, stud is a word, of, uh, but I've heard stud as part of the gay community for from like uh-huh. a long ass time. I don't think that's like a new thing, right? Um, so there was a there was actually a debate. Um, I did a lesbian reality TV show, um, oh, and and we have we have a group chat. The cast members we're still all very close, but right um, uh, the star of the show was this YouTuber called Amber's Closet, mm-hmm. and she did a video a few months Are after. You already the show. off your India, Amber's. <laughs> it's been over a year. Okay. I hope I am, or I will. Okay, be just making anyway. just making sure. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't say the name. Oh, I guess I give names. Okay, you, you're gonna have to cut that out. You just right. you know cut that part out. All right. There's a human being who starred in said show. Okay, never mind. Keep going. Who made, a, who made a, a video? 
um, regarding this topic. And um, yeah, the chat got a little fired up because um, um, it turns out not a lot. Of, yeah. So not a lot of us knew the, where the term stud originated and apparently originated from um, okay. yeah, African-American lesbians. And the video that said a person who shall not be named because of a said NDA um the video that she put out was basically correcting the fact that it stud is only reserved for uh african-american um, black um lesbians and not bisexuals it doesn't even open itself up to pansexuals bisexuals it's just lesbian okay. black women yes i didn't know that interesting i didn't either so we le- we all no. learned something but That's yeah where did that where did the um debate start with that white lesbian with emo well <laughs> the thing is like she she had a bunch of different characters um she goes uh and, and i guess they found a bunch of her old tweets oh, uh you know because she was using the n-word and she was some of her stuff oh, and mm-hmm. she was basically like you know that's why i only fuck with black bitches type <gasps> things like she was like oh wow she, she oh. was she was she was going down the rabbit hole you know like what i mean like she was like oh here it is right uh this was it where she's like um why do you love black women me and then basically you know so so i guess maybe they were and then she got popular because she she was even on think like on jimmy kimmel or something or or one of the jimmies and you know she was doing her little tiktoks with her emo i've seen them Mm -hmm. um but then apparently she got canceled this week for about for being uh all those old tweets for old tweets for Jeez, I, I gotta look at that. I haven't. I'm sorry that hasn't come on my radar. I've been back on Twitter this week. Um, yeah, no, like it started off as, "Hey, this chick is uh, not that good," and then it served into uh, a threat on Taylor Blake and racism among white lesbians on a whole, yeah. from the perspective of queer black woman. So, this is one of the many yeah. rabbit holes in Twitter that I, that we were going down this week. Yeah, you went down it. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I love. You know, I, you know, I can't get enough of like gay politics. <laughs> <laughs> well, Twitter too just takes that one person yeah. with those receipts. This is from 2011. Then someone else chimes in, and there's mm-hmm. that thread. Yeah, and then everybody's oh, yeah. like, "Oh man, she was my favorite uh, lesbian emu, emu owner. He's lesbian TikToker. emu owner that's on, also on TikTok." Oh, <laughs> Listen, I, we can't claim her. It's fine. There's crazy people in every community. You guys, they all got some kooky people. It's true. Yeah, it's I true. gotta go down the rabbit hole with that one. I'm like, for a second, I said emo. I was thinking emo because like it came up as a small <laughs> screen on my end. I was like, wait, emo? Like, oh. like hell yeah. No, interesting. Yeah. Just in terms of like the, the gay terms and stuff. Um, so my best friend, like in in high school, didn't tell me he was gay until mm-hmm. probably like uh, end of junior year or something like that or mm-hmm. something like that. Like we were cool in there. Like I was just so dumb that I would try to hook him up, hook him up with friends and stuff. Yeah. And then one day he's like, hey, you know, hey, just so you know, I'm gay. And I was like, oh, okay, All right. Cool. Mm -hmm. And then that was it. But before I knew that he would use all these terms from gay Mm -hmm. clubs from the late 90s, he'd be like, he'd be like, he'd be be just he would do these cool things that he would pick up at the at the at the clubs. Mm -hmm. And then since I hung out with him again, I would repeat them. So oh, I, I, no, I, I no, would, no. so I was using like gay terminology from like the deep gay clubs of New York City in the late '90s. So for a time in high school, there was like, and I told you about this before, there were these gay dudes in high school that were like, "Oh, we can turn him because we know what he's." Oh, <laughs> they, they were like, they were, they were thought about it. So I just, so, okay, I, so yeah. I've always known a lot about like the terminology mm-hmm. and stuff, but I've heard "stud" for so long that I didn't know that it was an exclusive term. 
or it's been it's been reclaimed maybe yeah. or something so i just thought that was kind of interesting yeah i didn't know that either until uh pretty recently and uh mm -hmm. i thought it, i always before just thought it was any masculine presenting uh queer woman uh okay but no yeah it turns out it's a very exclusive term it is a very exclusive it term. is up for it, it's up, up for debate if you feel like it but i don't and i feel like uh yeah that's where it started so, so. Right. so it's like the opposite of i feel we're asking like lipstick Opposite yeah so okay. i i guess the reason the reason behind the debate is also because there's a term called you know butch lesbian mm -hmm. you know okay. so it's kind of like mask right. masculine um right now everyone's like using the term mask i feel like that's a more mm -hmm. appropriate um term umbrella term um okay but yeah i guess that it was um it started in the african-american community and so mm -hmm. it is very exclusive to to them and okay. only lesbians apparently so yeah I'm yeah. the more yeah, you that's know. new to me. Yeah. yeah. So one of my good friends is gay. One of my good friends, but I know there's like some terminology he's used and I've heard it, but I don't think he's brought up yeah, stud yet. Um I know one of my cousins not too long ago came out as a lesbian and she's dating a woman and I think even she said she's joked like, Oh, I'm the lipstick in this relationship. Yeah. Um yeah. like that's the more kind of it. Mm -hmm. Gold yeah. star, gold star yeah. lesbian. Gold star. Gold star. Nah. Gold star. Of course, <laughs> Sophia star. identifies as bi and a pillow princess. So there's that. Ew, no. <laughs> Why are you? <laughs> what the fuck are you saying? No judgment. <laughs> I was in one of the anonymous, right? Sophia is a no. pillow princess? No. Isn't that, did somebody call you out on that? Oh, no, shoot. What? <laughs> oh, like someone on the chat? <laughs> somebody had called you out and said you were a pillow princess, right? No, I don't remember that. Mm, okay. Wait, are you maybe, are you serious? Did it actually happen? Maybe it was in a. Was I here? A, maybe it was in a oh. different group chat. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I'm just <gasps> messing with you. <laughs> oh, anyway. was it shoot on Twitter? <laughs> oh, <fucking no. laughs> I don't know. I just know it's a term that I learned, and I would just figure that I would throw it out there. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just making a joke here. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm not right. on myself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so is is that an offensive term? No, it's just no. It's fine if you identify as a pillow princess. It's good, but it's a very mm -hmm. uh, determinative term. It's kind of like a hoity-toity. Like, are you kind of like just not just dabbling your toe in the water in that situation, or is that kind of no, that... no, no? Because I don't want to belittle anybody that may identify as that. So, like, you could mm -hmm. be totally gay and be a pillow princess, but mm -hmm. you know, you could also be totally straight and just not want to move and be a total starfish. So okay. I don't know. Got it. I don't yeah, know. Fair point. Fair, yeah. fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Just for the record, I didn't get a secret text that told me Sophia's a closet Philippines. <laughs> I did not. That did not happen. I'm just oh, kidding. Man. And it, it wasn't. I was just. I was making a joke. All right. Uh, we're getting here close to the end. We just got one last stop to go, and that is now. It's time for no namas way. No namas way. No namas. Anonymous advice for semi unqualified. Mm podcasters yes. i am an old boomer who smoked a lot of weed and once you're not tested, a boomer I'm not, no, I'm, I'm, I'm gen x i'm like i'm yeah. like dead center i'm dead center gen x uh mm -hmm. but i have smoked a lot of weed even though i once <laughs> tested at 139 in my iq and sophia mm -hmm. has a master's degree so along with that yeah, we yeah. give a bunch of different life advice and natalie's joining us today so mm -hmm. feel free to join yeah. in all right. Yeah. Our first question comes to us from two is better than one, but for how long? And their question is, it's a long one. I love my wife, but
but I also love my side chick. She does things that my wife stopped doing shortly after our third anniversary. And we have been married for 10 plus years, but I won't say exactly. This started a few years ago when I met my side chick, now girlfriend at work. She was a temp worker during our busy season and still in school, college, not high school. And although I had zero desire to cheat on my wife, it was just like a fantasy that she was into me. So I could not resist. Uh, We began casually to where we are now, three years together. She knows about my wife and is about 60% okay with it. She has never met our kids or become an issue, and I never brought her home. I have had to invent a special schedule that allows me to go spend time with her a few times a week, and I've had to hustle my ass off on side businesses, crypto, etc., to make money enough to keep them both happy. It has been tough, but I got to have it all for a while. Family life and a hot-ass girlfriend that loves to worship me. But now my girlfriend is done with school and wants to either travel or find a job in another city. Her field has some major hubs she would be closer to for her career. I I feel lucky that I have had my fun and that my wife, as far as I know, has not been affected. We have sex like every three months anyway, so she might have a side thing. Who knows? Either way, if this ends now, I have to go back to a very boring life. Or I could throw it all away with my girlfriend, but who knows how long that sizzle might last. I know I'm the dick here, but what would you say is the best move? Leave it all and travel the world or go back to board and try to be happy with my family life? Oh, jeez. This is the the conundrum, right? When when people have to settle down and choose a slower-paced lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It seems like, I don't know. All right, listen. I don't I don't have a lot of advice for this. I just kind of feel bad and I think that we need to stop changing. He's aware. <laughs> yeah. The fact that you've gotten yeah. away for with this for that long is the most impressive part about this. <laughs> that you've managed yeah. somehow to, to keep this. Like your your wife might know. Uh, and I'm might hoping the care. wife is cheating too. That would be great. Maybe. Yeah, if they're only, yeah. if they're only yeah. doing it every 3 months, that's 4 times a year. I mean, after 10 years <laughs> of marriage, yeah, I mean, listen, relationships lose their spark sometimes. It's just a, a mm-hmm. part of life. And I feel like if you feel to the point where I hope that my wife is also having an affair, maybe it's time to talk about it with her. Like, maybe it's time to be like, hey, we lost our spark. Let's see if we can do something to rekindle this. Let's go to therapy. Let's try something. Or let's just be parents, co-parenting yeah. and having separate lives. That's totally fine, too. There's a billion types of relationships. You can have a form of an open relationship. Mm-hmm. You can break up. You can stay together. Whatever it is, I just wish that you weren't hurting somebody in the process. Because if she's mm-hmm. not having an affair and she's being faithful and you're just over there, you know, getting your rocks off and having your cake and eating it, too, then that's not right. really fair. So I don't know. My humanistic side is just like, communicate, communicate. Yeah. People. Yeah. No. Natalie? That's I would say I think of um there's a quote I once read, like in one of those, I think online or magazines. It was about, you know, if you're in love with someone and there's a person a second person that captures your attention, end up with the second person because they wouldn't have captured your attention if they were the first person. So I mm-hmm. kind of agree with that. It's you know, I mean, that's okay. Like relationships, like, you know, sometimes they just they like you said, they fizzle out or you already served its purpose. Um, and it's also, you know, even if they're both having affairs, their side pieces, I think, I mean, if it's like they're doing that because they like the thrill and it's sneaking off, I just mm-hmm. feel there's only so long until that can go on because maybe their mm-hmm. side pieces might want to 
you know, take the relationship yeah. to the next level, move in, get married. Yeah. And I feel, what are they going to do? They're just going to go to the next one. I mean, it's going to be like a, I feel like a cycle. So I agree. Mm-hmm. It's either a work on your marriage, you know, talk it out, you know, therapy or, you know, end up with, you know, make the side piece, you know, the main piece. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that's going to be key, especially too. I'm a big firm believer in karma. So I feel the eventual catch up, I feel at some mm-hmm. point, um, somewhere yeah. down the line. I'm a firm believer in you know, that universal. Yeah. It's going to, it's going <laughs> to yeah. correct itself at some point. Yeah. My, yeah. my, my thought process on this one is that, um, even if your wife hasn't found out the minute that mm-hmm. you're, if you decide to stay in the marriage, the minute that she leaves, she's going to notice a difference in you because if right. the marriage has been dead for a while, but you are happy to be in it because you have this side piece, that that keeps you you know keeps you lusting for life then when that side piece is gone you're going to go into a depression or something and she's going to notice well even if you have a conversation about it then it's mm-hmm. definitely going to be like well it's been like this for like two years why haven't mm-hmm. what's different now right you know what i mean because mm-hmm. you're basically in a rut but are getting through it if you've been yeah. married 10 plus years your kids i don't know maybe they're in high school maybe they're close to college and stuff like that you might want to stick it out and then go your separate ways because mm-hmm. yeah. it, it doesn't seem like if you're like hey you're, i'm cool if somebody else is begging my wife and you know i kind of like it both ways i love her but this and that mm-hmm. so <clears throat> i don't yeah. know i think Sounds that, like there's not much there. yeah yeah i mean if you're gonna try to i mean if you're gonna try to get away with it like all the way like your wife never knowing that you've had an affair for three years i mean my god the fucking gabagool on you yeah, <laughs> Gabagool. Gabagool. <laughs> you got gabagools like this, my friend. I know that is impressive. I'm like, oh, that's. I mean, kudos. It sounds like they're yeah making extra cash to keep both satisfied. I'm like, wow. Yeah. That's, I think that's the first time I've ever heard that. Like, yeah. Also, it's hours. sounding. It's sounding like the side. I mean, it sounds like a dedicated family man. Graduate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, dedicated family man, dedicated boyfriend. Yeah. yeah, and the and the girlfriend is sixty percent okay with it. I mean, I think well, the I, I feel like, like she's gonna eventually not be okay with it. She graduated college. And mm-hmm. I think she's gonna yeah. be looking for something more serious. I think she had the daddy, the the, the daddy, you know, kink going for a while with this married guy, and As while she was in college, college. and mm-hmm. now she's she like, all help. right. <laughs> I, I gotta move to where my career is uh are you coming with me and are we doing the you know or are you right. fucking going back to your wife or and i don't really think the girlfriend wants you to come with him mm-hmm. that too i mean that can always be the hey, look the worst place. case scenario worst yeah. case scenario you leave your wife you relocate you have to go find another job because if you're an old motherfucker you probably go into the office somewhere or i mean mm-hmm. you're trading crypto maybe not but um and you said you met her at at work. Um, so worst case scenario, if you leave, quit your job, have to go somewhere else or try to relocate. And then sh- three months later, she's fucking some doctor or some dude at her job, depending on what her, she she's into or something like that. You're going to fucking mm-hmm. be pissed. And then you're going to be trying to go back to your wife and it's not going to be happening for you. Yeah. So so I definitely uh, see that. All right. So best of luck with that. Best of luck. Yeah. The best That's- of luck. And um, I do, I do mean that. All right. The next two come for us from Lou Hader. Okay. Thank you, Lou Hader. Lou Damn. Hader. Lou Hader you need says, to read this. Read I, these beforehand, man. Uh, Lou Hader. Listen. All right. I, if all I right. read, if I read them beforehand, it wouldn't be a bit, <laughs> right? All right. Lou's old. His pews are grayer than matter. Okay. I got it. That's fine. Huh. Huh? Okay. 
Lose. You ever see Louis eat a burrito? He looks like the girl in one of those porn movies. Slow at first, then he gets into it. You eat oh a God. burrito, fat Lou. Okay, I that's I I love eating burritos. I'm sorry. That's definitely yeah. one of my that's one of my friends. Mm-hmm. Only a few certain people call me fat Lou. All right, uh, <clears throat> all right. We got here the last one. This next one is from Time to Bail. Uh, my girlfriend of less than one year mm-hmm. acts like we've been married for twenty years. We go out to eat, and she takes two hours to get ready. Looks smoking hot in a dress. She travels for work, so when she is in town, she stays with me for a few weeks and a time before being away for the, f- and then she's away, f- and then at times she is away for a few weeks, oh. up to a month or more, then being home again. Uh, the issue is that even though it, it's a newer relationship, it feels like we've been married for a long time. Go to the movies, get some sushi, have a few drinks, and I'm hoping I get laid after date night. Then we get home, I jump into bed ready, if you know what I mean, but it's too late. She's already into her routine, taking off her dress putting in some sweats oversight t-shirt i'm doing her hair makeup and then doing her nighttime routine before finding me in bed again um almost an hour later it's not the same this happens a lot she doesn't want to do morning sex because she says she has to get ready for it it's not sexy when our breaths stink i love all of it even if we spend long periods apart i want to take advantage of that time so that i'm cool with it when she's away but it seems she's content for hot sex days the day she gets back and then married boring life the rest of the time what should i do everything else is okay but i don't want to date but feel like i'm married that's rough because that we're talking we're talking either she's not mm-hmm. that sexually attractive to you sadly or she has a very substantially lower libido than you um yeah. and either one is difficult on a relationship um yeah i don't know i i agree with that i think it's the physical well physicality it's part of the relationship it's a very important part passion i mean i mean like yeah i mean there's like you know a couple friends like i know even married ones they they schedule time right like Mm -hmm. once twice a week um especially they have kids like one of my friends she has like three babies so she's like no we have to schedule it like her and her husband but Um, the desire is there that's the healthy part yeah and I think it's the excitement because it's like you know they're Tuesday night or whatever so I almost feel I don't know if he's trying to like bring that up to her like no we gotta like even get it sounds lame but if that's what it takes to you know maybe kind of bring that spark back or just to like even communicate that with her like yeah I don't want to you know that's cool like you're all hot and wild like when you come back from these work trips but then after that like hey like i, w- I yeah. want more after that um yeah. Tana, you're, gonna, I, that- you're gonna you're gonna be away for three weeks i wanna you know yeah so yeah. Ooh, do, do i have a suggestion do the old hey honey i read something really interesting the other day um <laughs> Just say you you heard something, you read something, and then start talking about libido and sex drive. And just be like, you know, I've noticed that, like, I tend to crave sex a lot more than you do. What do you, what do you think that's about, you know? Oh, yeah. And, or or and do, just, the, the, yeah, do the 21 days of, you know, the thing where the couples have sex for 21 straight days to increase intimacy. I was going to say that or... <laughs> Jeez. No, there's, like, things. There's, like, studies or, like, therapists tell you to do that. They're, like, if, you, if you're thinking about breaking up... Force yourselves to have sex for 30 days in a row, and that'll include mm-hmm. that'll improve like intimacy and like helps people's relationships if they like because the, the, the mm-hmm. physical intimacy is actually like a thing. So, or, um, people I know some people, um, my partner and I have done that we buy like books to buy, <laughs> like you can try new positions or new things. Like, I think that you know, different that's kind of exciting. Um, and that's kind of almost like what you're saying too. Sometimes it'll be like you know, new moves to try for the next week or whatever 
that can always yeah, be like yeah, thing that helps out but yeah i Look, definitely think that's a problem if it's like one feels like they're yeah. not getting of course their physical needs met that's yeah, yeah. I think. Um, look, the, the the this is gonna be. Look, I've had this. I've had this. I've had this scenario. Have this scenario happen to me where mm-hmm. you get into a rut with a relationship and you go out and she's wearing a sexy dress, but then when you go to have sex, she's got. I think guys have this happens in a lot. You have the way I got through it in my relationship is like, look, I'm sorry, but I'm so turned on after we spent the mm-hmm. night together. I want to. I, I and I would have to. Mm-hmm. I would have to say this on the drive home. I'd be like, look. You look incredible. I want to have sex with you in that dress. As soon as we get home, then you can do anything else that you want to do. You know what I mean? But I don't. It's so and and the relationship ended up not working out because of sometimes people have different libidos and stuff like that. So I feel your pain. Uh, Basically, uh, the advice, I think, is put the put put it out there. Mm-hmm. throw some feelers out in the water hey i saw this study uh how we can increase intimacy so that you know like you know when you're away we feel closer to each other and if mm-hmm. we have sex for 10 straight days it's supposed to like blah 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 what's she into is she like an oprah chick or is she like a spiritual chick is she crystals go get her some crystals that are supposed to like help out you know put some what are these crystals around the room oh i've been reading about uh blah 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 and you know blah, the old you know. i've been reading about i know exactly so that's <laughs> yeah. so that's sophia's advice is bring something up my advice is mm-hmm. have a conversation natalie mm-hmm. says bail <laughs> no, I'm just no. kidding. <laughs> no. All of the above, in that order. <laughs> I know it's all of the above. <laughs> look, I guess be honest with her. Say, hey, you look. I'm like, just look. You look so incredibly hot in that dress. Mm-hmm. Like, or me, like, I want to help take that dress off you when you when we get home. I don't know. You have to, you know, if mm-hmm. if her libido is not there just by regular activities, but okay. she does get turned on when she sees you after she's been gone for three weeks, mm-hmm. then maybe you know try some role playing try some different stuff you know lose her in a crowd and then find her you know pretend mm-hmm. you're strange or do something man you know yeah bring all that up if it doesn't happen then yeah it's time to bail all right yeah uh one more and we're out of here and this one is a short one from curiosa she says what is the most hurtful thing someone has ever told you what is the most wonderful thing someone has ever told you hmm, hmm. that's, that's not advice it's not advice it's a question Wow, we all went silent. Uh, mm-hmm. I know, I'm like, because... Uh... Well, the most hurtful, I don't think anyone would want to share. No. Why give anyone ammo? The yeah. Most... And then the opposite, I just can't think of. I'm like, what's a gun? Most wonderful thing. For the most hurtful, I think uh, I'll go the opposite <laughs> way. And I'll say uh, the most hurtful thing anybody's ever said is when they ghosted me. So by not saying something, they were being ah, more hurtful. Ooh, uh, told me. You know what? I'm gonna copy you. I'm gonna you, say that you. as well. Yeah, because yeah. that's 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 hurtful to not tell somebody. Yeah, there's a, there's this whole thing where I've seen I've seen the opposite where it's like nobody owes you to tell you anything if they want to just ghost you and get you out of their life they're right. allowed to do so, which I guess is true, but it's still a dick move. I think, yeah, so sting. Yeah, I like that you brought that up because I think a lot of people do take that side of like, oh, no one knows you anything. And I get it. No mm-hmm. one knows anyone anything. We come to this yeah. life and we don't, yeah, you know, we're not here to serve, serve everyone. But I do feel like there's a certain level of respect that comes with, I don't know, whatever it is you shared, whatever, wherever it is that right. you went. For example, if I talk to you on Bumble for two messages, I don't owe you an explanation to why I'm ghosting. 
Right. That's my thing. I don't know you. We're strangers. But if we dated for three months, four months, mm-hmm. I saw you every week. I, yeah. you know, we got close, whatever. I feel like I owe you a little something. The three a to six months. Yeah. Three to six yeah. months is a range. Yeah. Yeah. So and it really depends. But I do feel or like. If you like, if after if three to six months and you were like officially something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I wouldn't even say time so much as connection, but I yeah. do feel like I can't, you can't be black and white of like, no one owes anyone anything and it's okay to ghost or like, mm-hmm. you know, don't ghost people because that's messed up. It's like a mixture. It depends on the connection, I think. I don't know. Am I wrong? Yeah. Fair point. No. No, that no. makes sense. Look, I've been ghosted. So I, I've just like, you know. So yeah, I've, just been, like, I've been the ghoster and the ghosty. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're all of the ghoster. Yeah, I guess I have. I mean, in some in some regards, in some ways. But I love that's happened to me where I was uh, years ago. It was uh, someone I matched with? We've seen each other for like maybe five months, and it was like slowly started ghosting me on the weekends. And I remember that was a thing. Like you know, the girl the girls would talk and be like, "Oh, he has you're not the weekend chick. Like he has mm-hmm. another chick." Um, and that was painful because, like, then I felt like I, even after I was done, I cut it off. I was still, like, hurt after that because then mm-hmm. I was afraid to go back on, like, those dating apps because you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to, like, encounter that again. So yeah. I would agree that it, it does hurt. Even if it doesn't hurt in the moment, it will – I feel like it kind of catches up to you at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's when you're done speaking to that person. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, yeah. And it never feels good because you're like, what did I do? And if you're like, you didn't do anything, it's just like, wait, what the heck? Like, that was three, four – five months down the drain yeah exactly it sucks it sucks and you always i I think it's always better you know or if you're gonna go somebody but then they're like hey can you tell me what's up just be like hey this is what happened i'm sorry but now i i i i i I, i'm gonna unghost you for a second here to let you know answer your question here and this is kind of the reason and now peace out again all right i can understand that yeah actually i honestly respect that i kind of yeah i kind of like that too I mean, I've had I've had to do that before, like in the past, for meeting my wonderful partner now. But like, yeah, on those dating apps, it would ask like, "Hey, what happened?" But then, yeah, I feel like if they're just honest, even if it's like, you know, "Hey, I'm just not." I mean, I think I mean, I think everyone would say they always had those things of guys are like, oh, "I'm not looking for anything serious." It's like, okay, ouch, but hey, at least you told me this, you know. Mm-hmm. I guess the month in versus like the year. Yeah. Or something. Yeah, um, exactly. So I, I feel, yeah, I kind of have to. Give some kudos to people that are gonna answer that like yeah. you know they're not, not many will but you know hey yeah all right yeah. and and most wonderful thing somebody has ever told me oh man um the baby's not yours i don't know i think uh if we if I'm gonna keep it like podcast related, uh, mm-hmm. I mean it's simple things. Uh, I think that people have told me that they listen to my shows uh, like to help mm-hmm. them get through a night shift, and I thought right. that was very complimentary. Mm-hmm. Um, I spoke to somebody that I met at the festival last year who watched some of my movies and really understood a lot of the themes in it. So that felt really mm-hmm. nice in terms of somebody that told me so. Like, if somebody understands something that I did from an artistic mm-hmm. point of view, I love that. And obviously, uh, the times that, you know, my mom and dad have been able to see me do something that I'm good at, whether it be acting or mm-hmm. come see one of my movies or something, that's, I think, that's the, and they told me they're proud of me. That's probably the nicest thing that I've had yeah. told to me. Yeah. Also, people constantly tell me on the phone that I have a sexy voice, but that's besides the point. <laughs> <laughs> You're so dumb. So <laughs> so, Sophia? 
Uh, oh, geez. Put on the spot. I don't know. Um, Was it that you play a great Dushi Minolio in the movie? I'm yeah, totally. Great, no. great at crying Should on that... command. Oh my God, Lou! Stop! Oh, I did see oh this one earlier. Million followers on Twitter. I, I actually liked it. This was a fun scene. Uh, that is you. Okay, sorry, it's like sorry. the lighter hair. Are you wearing, nice. are you wearing the same shirt? The same shirt. Oh no. no. Okay, just check it. Just check it. Just check it. Just check. I'm sorry. I did uh, that earlier. I okay. I, that is you. <laughs> I, I liked it. I thought it was fun. I think All that right. was for the seventy-two hour film fest. Yeah, it was for a seventy-two hour festival. Okay. Yeah, it was yeah cool. nice. We had a good. We had it. a. We had a good shit. Thank you for watching. Yeah. Uh, Natalie, did you have a, a an answer to that? Most wonderful thing. Um, most recently, if it's I guess kept work related, at my first LA book signing, I had a former coworker show up. Um. And she raised her hand and said, thank you. She's like, I, she watched the film um, adaptation of a book I, I did. And she said, you know, I feel you captured um, the recovery part very well. And she's like, I can relate. And she choked up. Um, that's the first time I ever received um, that kind of reaction from any work of mine. And I was like shocked. But then I was like, oh, my God, like that's like because I never heard that. So I looking back, I mean, I really appreciate that because it's been stick with me since that event which was like two months ago or so so i feel i definitely oh. yeah that one stuck with me the most from an event all right hey that. natalie one last question for me if you could only maintain one of these two feelings as a filmmaker for the rest of your life which mm -hmm. one would you choose the feeling of day one shot one on a brand new movie mm -hmm. or opening night about to watch your movie in front of an audience that has nothing to do with it oh that's hard I gotta say the day one shot one setup because um, it feels like so many you know, opportunities. You know, the challenges, yeah. And then if you had like a, a shoot before you weren't satisfied with, it feels like a clean slate. You're like, all right, like let's do this right. Um, and an opening night, I mean, I, I'm like, it's my worst critic, but I get so nervous on opening night, no matter how big or small yeah. the crowd is. I'm like, I'll I'll try to like find an escape. I'm like, all right, when the lights get dark, I'm gonna try to like exit out this way. Okay. Um. So I would say there's nothing like yeah, the day one, you know, yeah. shot one. I I do like hearing people okay. laugh at, at yeah. something. You're like... a narcissist, though, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, did she drop out? <laughs> no, Lou took me out. I, can't, I, can't uh, I, was, like, I was like, did she just drop out? I was like, fast, like, internet. Curiosa, I hope, hope we answered your question in a roundabout way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I think, uh, Sophia, did you have a, were you about to say a, a, a kindest thing somebody said to you or mm -hmm. the nicest thing? Um, I can't think of, like, exactly one thing, but recently I had a pretty uh, near-death experience, and so... Mm -hmm. That brought out like a lot of people out of the woodworks just kind of telling me their nicest things about me <laughs> that oh, they think okay. about me. And I was like, oh, so yeah. a lot of things that I was like, I didn't know y'all thought about that mm. so highly of me. You know, it's pretty yeah. nice. feels nice. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, my funeral is No, it's fine. Yeah. I'm yeah, alive. Uh, We're good. That's yeah. Not, a, not all those people put you in a movie, though. Just saying. <laughs> Yeah, Lou, not all, <laughs> listen, not all those movies do I want to bring up all the time. 
Oh, oh, I want to see them. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? That was a good one. That was fun. Oh, oh, my God. Why don't you just turn off your notifications? What? Uh, no. Oh, my God, Tracy, you are a oh, lifesaver. Turn the, the camera off. The cow. She's like, what do you think of the oh cow? Oh, my God, are we done? <laughs> like a baby cow. Are you crazy? crazy? No. You're think what you see. Why are you treating me like a baby cow? I think that was your line, Sophia. I couldn't Are you it's trying okay. to murder? I'm trying to murder me with Dan. All right, I'm sorry. It's gone. All right, guys. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Natalie Rodriguez, for coming on the show. You can you Thank can find you, her everywhere. Thank you, guys. Uh, find her on Twitter, Instagram, anywhere, yes. Facebook. Uh, look for extraordinary pictures. Yeah. Uh, look at her books. Go to her book signings. Catch the stuff that's yeah. already on YouTube and 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 keep up with her. All right. Anytime you want to come on, you got something to promote. You let us know. Um, yeah. Especially and, when you're uh, done with the Sopranos, I'll jump on it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once uh-huh. you guys are done with Sopranos, we can do. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love yes. to break down the Sopranos. Yeah. Don't worry I'm about like, it. We should be done with them the month because we're Ooh. like speeding by. My partner's waiting to watch it right now. And as you oh, know, okay. tell him we're need- sorry. If you need an That's actress, good. an actor, or a film crew at some point, you also yeah. let us know. Always looking to connect That's with true. people and collaborate, obviously. So we'll see you around, Natalie. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, everybody, Thank that you joined guys. us today. Thank you for the submissions. Thank you for everybody that's tuning in. We'll see you guys live next Thursday at 8 p.m. for our Halloween show. Nice. Later, mi gente. Later, mi gente. Bye, everyone. Vamos, papá, hay que irnos. Me estoy aguantando desde que pusieron el domo. Puedes despegar. Muchas personas trabajaron en esta película y solo quieren que te aprendas sus nombres de memoria. Y yo quiero asegurarme de que ningún animal resultó lesionado durante la filmación de esta película. ¡Listo! ¡Uy, palomitas en el suelo! Cuatro años de escuela de cinemato, 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 cuatro años de escuela de cinemato
cinemato. Cuatro años de escuela de 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 cinemato. Cuatro